Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five this evening. This is Football Saturday. Remember, Football on Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106, tweet us at Off the Ball. We're streaming the conversation as well, so you can obviously listen on News Talk and then watch us on the Off the Ball digital and social channels for Periscope on Twitter, at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. We're joined on the line today by the former Republic of Ireland striker Stephen Elliott, we'll get to him in a moment, but also in studio, as always, football correspondent of the Irish Independent, Dan McDonnell, and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward. How are we getting on, lads? How's it going, JD? Good. Watching the early game, Spurs Wolves, were you? I was, yeah. We what do we make of it? I think. Yeah, I mean, Wolves were very good for the first half and Spurs were very good for the second half. I think that's probably the the simplest way of describing it. And I don't know about Spurs. Like, it's, I suppose, last week against Chelsea, they didn't play especially well, but they get the result. Um, you know, a corner, you know, today. Like, they sort of didn't play especially well, um, but they get the result. So you can spin it whatever way you you know you, you, you can find the conclusion that suits you to some degree like on one hand they probably haven't hit the levels that people maybe thought that they might but is the fact that they're just grinding out results maybe reflective of the predictions that they have that, that they'd they'd have some kind of uh, that clinical edge like it's not very you know t- to be Spursy is to sort of blow it you know what I mean is to turn sort of wins to draws and draws to losses as opposed to the other way around so um Wolves, I mean, they were excellent in the first half. Very, suppose, Nathan Collins focused in terms of the the viewing of, of Wolves and he was exceptional in the first half. Kane probably spun away from from the goal. Um, one or two moments in the second half where he just caught a small bit flat-footed from like a dead ball situation. Generally recovered quite well. Um, just didn't, just couldn't for the goal. But, I mean, he's going to get... Like this is, I suppose he did play last season, but he, he wasn't a starter um, until later on. So it looks like they're building a team around him and Kilman that he's going to get, you know, thirty eight games of this, and he's going to be playing against the best strikers or some of the best strikers in the world this year. And he looks like he belongs there, right? But of course, there, there'll be mistakes, there'll be moments, but uh, he was good as well. Definitely, you were on Nathan Collins' watch as well, Johnny. Were you? I was. Um yeah, Dan, Dan put out a tweet in the first half saying, like, I shouldn't put this out. Like, it's very tempting to say how well he's playing. I was saying if I were on Twitter, I probably would have tweeted it like 10 minutes earlier anyway and <laughs> waited for the inevitable mistake from Collins in the second half. You would have tripped um, him for the Ballon d'Or, John. Ballon That's why you're yeah. missed on Twitter, you know? There was, you missed your content. There was one moment in the first half where, like, Kane had a, a yard or two on him and he totally outpaced him. Now, Kane isn't lightning quick, but Collins, like, it was really impressive. Um, but then there was that kind of... I suppose there were a couple of signs in the second half, JD, that just at this level, um, I think Dan is going to talk later on about his trip to Hungary and you know these players that you never hear of that aren't even good enough to play in the Premier League who are exceptionally good. But at the level of the Premier League, um, he switched off once briefly and Son, who had a poor game by his standards, should have scored. And in a very sort of Irish way, uh, Collins came back. We'll talk about Omar Bamadele's uh, performances. Yeah, last night. Yeah, Last night. And Omar Bamadele, I think, has this real Irish last-ditch defending in him. And Collins surely had that as well with a great kind of interception on Son but he had been kind of caught out by a brilliant instinctive um, pass by Kane and then for the goal from the corner which was a a strange enoughly it was a strange the way it was worked as a routine 
again, he just slightly switched off, and that's all it takes for Harry Kane. Um, but, I mean, going forward, you're thinking Collins, Omobamadeli, and O'Shea, if they're, or whoever our three are, it's going to be very exciting. As for Spurs, JD, I was thinking of you last Sunday. I think of you all the time, actually, but I was thinking of you last oh, Sunday. Sorry, John, during, it's very the, nice. uh, during the Chelsea game when they were really second best, but showed real character to like create chances at the end. and. Three or four players kind of, you know, scrapping for uh, the header and ultimately Kane's equaliser. Today in the first half, um, it was the same problem again where they couldn't get any real meaningful possession. And I would worry in terms of Spurs midfield going forward. Yeah. Kulisevsky was brilliant, I thought, in the second half. What about Richarlison? Yeah, like he'll... In fairness, like they were able to make the changes and he came in and they have a lot of attacking options. But in terms of actually like having a bit of uh, possession in midfield, they were badly second best last Sunday. And today in the first half, I thought Wolves were excellent. The Wolves were the better team. But on the flip side, Spurs, like whatever Conte said at half time, they really came out with an intent and they absolutely dominated the second half. And I'd be, I'd have a kind of a positive way of looking at Spurs in the sense of the four points that they've gotten and over the last couple of weeks from from the positions they were in because it looked hairy at half time. But I think going forward they're probably a little bit shy of uh, title contenders. Yeah. I think realistically second is definitely something yeah. they could. Well, go like for. we've spoken before, like these twelve thirty games can sometimes be these Saturday games. And it was a be, good game. They can be a bit stodgy though sometimes yeah. as well too. And like Wolves are a good possession side. Yeah, Wolves just run, don't run, score run goals. Good but they're day. a good team. And yeah. is a good coach. Yeah. And I think it was like sixty eight percent possession at some stage in the mm. first half you know um, well, that's Tottenham's problem they're too much of a counter-attacking yeah. team so against the top teams they're always going to do alright but it's breaking down maybe the, in inverted commas the weaker teams so you can see if, if they went to the Etihad they'd have almost none of the ball like, do you know what I mean yeah um, and that's where they won last season and like Liverpool didn't beat them last season but yeah like Spurs against Wolves now if City played Wolves they'd have what maybe 70% possession mm. Spurs only had 50% today Stephen Elliott how are you how's it going lads he's okay he's okay yeah, good to see you, Stephen. Hope you're well and to hear you. And for Spurs, uh, look, they got the job done. Nathan Collins was good. I suppose that's maybe literally the way you could sum up the, the early game today. Yeah, he's done all right. I've seen, uh, seen Dan's tweet that he put out as well earlier on in the game where he was, where he was looking really kind of composed and he was, he was kind of well at grips with, with the Spurs force. But that, like you mentioned there, that's Harry Kane all over. All he needs is that kind of split second to lose it to lose a defender and you know he's going to be clinical but, but yes sports will be looking at that league table i think looking at the other teams and they got to be looking at second place especially the way liverpool have started the season the season i just don't see liverpool being the force the the uh, have been in recent seasons with with the lack of kind of depth and kind of real quality in their midfield areas and i think that's something that they need to look at but scores of course will be looking at that top two i think city are kind of on a pedestal on their own but I think the two North London clubs are going to be looking at that kind of top two as a, as a real chance of kind of breaking into that and, and sports again it's all about getting results like, like the lad said early kickoffs. you never know what way they're going to go but Wolves were, Wolves were a good team up to a certain point today you just lacked that little bit like where you felt you were going to score that goal but Spurs, on the other hand, they have that clinical kind of striker and Harry Kane, and how often have we seen him pop up? And again, like like we said about Collins, he he looked comfortable controlling him, and then split second, loses him, bang goal, one 0 Spurs, and they kind of move on. And it's it's a typical kind of Conte team now, looking at them, and, and they kind of have that kind of they don't give much away easy, and when they do, they've always got a fight, and then they always stay in games now. It seems. Yeah, Gianni Vio has been uh, hired as a set piece coach specifically for set pieces, and Perisic was was excellent last week with that. Uh, delivery for the equaliser at Chelsea, and then again today was very well worked. But well, I mean, Gina seemed to think it was a it was a poorly hit corner. I was like, this is clearly routine. It was like as a defender, that's very hard to defend against. You don't expect a corner like that. 
Um, one thing I want to say about Spurs, Stephen, is they've got an edge to them now. Romero didn't play today because he was uh, he was injured, but they do have a physicality about them that I think will stand to them, especially at home. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so, and I think that kind of stems from from the guy on the sideline. You see him, we seen him, we all seen him last week uh, with Tuchel, and he's got fight in him, and he's got fire in his belly, and and some and sometimes as 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 a as a player on the pitch, you look to your manager. I know he can't do anything actually actually on the pitch, but if you see that kind of fire on the side, it can kind of have a good effect. I think that's something that, that was very questionable as spores over the years. Like you said, they're already a bit spores, they're already a bit soft, bit of a weak underbelly. But there's something there's something growing inside them there. And again, they have real quality. They have, they have quality when it matters at times. And obviously, Sony has been as, as great this season so far. But still early days. Harry Kane, one of the best strikers in the world. And you're always going to score uh, score goals. Goal. So I, if I was a sports fan, I'd be, I'd be very optimistic. Obviously, they still might probably have a... a a long, still a good way to go if you if you're going to start kind of looking at them as kind of league title challenges. But they're definitely going in the right direction, and you're probably looking at one of the cup competitions. And because I don't know when's the last time Spurs have won anything like for the supporters, like you know. Two thousand and eight, Robbie Keane was playing. <laughs> that's that's the one. I knew it was roughly around then. But I'm saying you, you talk about Spurs being a being a big club and. You need to win some trophies along the way to kind of cement that kind of title, and I think that's something that's really been lacking as far as and it's, it's that's too long. That's too long. You look at the the infrastructure there at the football club. Even watching the ground today, every time I see it now, you kind of you're taken back from it. That big stand behind the goal, it's, it's it really is a great sight, and they're just lacking. They're just lacking that kind of final touch on the pitch. And uh, Conte could be the man to bring a trophy there. They've they got to be looking at winning something this year. Definitely, Spurs. Whether they can win the league title is another thing, but the FA. FA Cup, the League Cup, maybe. Do you know what I mean? You got to be looking at them and thinking we've got we've got to really give it a good goal. But yeah, top two. I, I don't see why they, they can't look at the top two. I still think that, I think that top one is, is is cemented in Man City's place. Yeah, 2008 was in Smith's Bar there in the north inner city around Jervis Street. That's the last time I watched Spurs win a trophy. It's a long time ago. Mm. Um, I think you're right, Stephen. I think the midfield, I just don't know the midfield, whether they need a creative player, creative force to get the ball, control of the ball. Can't always be through the wing backs. Matt Darty was on the bench today, didn't get a shot. I wonder when he gets a shot, I think, you know, Conte will want him as fit as he can. He's spoken about that already, that he wants him as fit as he can be. But I think if he can get that way, I think Conte will give him a chance. Mm. Definitely, and I think what I know, I don't know if you guys seen him when, when the match ended today, the first player he turned around to was was uh, Doherty and he gave him a big hug. Obviously, he's delighted to win the game, but, but it tells you there's, a, there's like, obviously, I'm sure Matt Doherty wants to play. He's the type of player that I think thinks he can, feels he can play every game. He's a confident boy, but yeah, I'm, I think there's going to be a lot of games, I suppose, and I'm sure he'll get his opportunity. And listen, if he, if he performs the way he did towards the end of last season, when he gets up to full speed, I don't, I don't see why any reason why he can't get a, get a long run in the team because he, he's proven that he can play play for Spurs already. But yeah, Spurs have good strength and depth in them kind of wide positions. It's like you mentioned there, so somebody that can really get a grip of the game, they could probably do a little bit more in there. But listen, they're on the, they're on the way. They, these players are hard to find, and there's a lot of clubs when they are, when they do come available, that are in the mix for them. So, no, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. How long have we got now left in the transfer window? A couple of few weeks, is it? So, yeah. let me see if there's any movement there on, on all of the kind of top kind of six clubs. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But I'm sure they're all looking at similar players and, and I'm sure all their agents and representatives are speaking behind the scenes. And I, I'd be very surprised if we don't see a, see a couple of big, big signings in, in, the, in, the, near, in the near future. So I'm Obama Delhi last night. So Dean Smith gave him praise after that 2-0 win over Millwall in the championship. So you got Collins, you got Obama Delhi playing first team football and playing well. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I didn't see the game, but uh, I was sort of struck by the the reports afterwards, and I suppose like it's 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 a funny one, really. That I mean, Collins was so exceptional in the June window that sort of uh, Omabama Deli is almost like the forgotten man in a way that like he was being spoken about maybe in those terms, maybe what last September, and then he was doing very well in the Premier League until he got that sort of back issue injury that sort of ruled him out for um, the whole second half of the season. Um, but it, but again, yeah, I mean, it's 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 probably. It's a tough time to be a probably a promising 18, 19 year old centre half coming through with Ireland in the yeah. perspective of what's coming. I know Seamus Coleman spoke during the week about sort of facing competition even because he's probably more of a back three option now than a a wing back one, particularly if Matt Doherty is 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 fit for the for the window next month and might even suit Spurs for Con- for Doherty to go away if he, if he still needs games at that stage but um, oh yeah like, I think where he's at now it looks like he's he's wearing number four I think he's going to get a full season at Norwich I know people suggesting there might be interest and I'm sure there will be but you kind of forget he hasn't played a huge amount of football he played maybe seven eight games at the end of the previous championship season I think a full season playing there as a first choice with a side who although they've had a little bit of a choppy start you'd imagine that Norwich are going to be um, a top six team pushing to get back up there and, and uh, it is very good I mean we've probably loads of time to talk about Ireland stuff you know when that comes around in a month's time and sometimes you can have all these hypothetical debates and then people get injured anyway um, but you're also probably looking long term that Kenny is going to play this back three and you're trying to figure out who has the, the skill set the attributes to play the right the centre you know what, what way is going to work out because obviously you can you can talk about ability, but balance is obviously is going to be very important. And um, he's got uh, seriously good options. But you see, John Egan is I think you know captaining or playing for Sheffield United today. Um, he's not gone away either. Duffy on the bench at Fulham probably um, easing his way back in. But you may even see like Mark McGuinness is playing for Cardiff today. Like there's there's good there's good depth. Daryl Lenehan who was who was very good I thought in. Um, in Vudge against uh, against Ukraine, he was he was actually really really comfortable. I think Middlesbrough will probably be pushing for promotion this year, so it's good. To, it's a good discussion to be having. A goals, uh, Crystal Palace won, Villa won. So Ollie Watkins put Villa, Villa in front at Selhurst Park, but uh, Wolves a half for the second time in as many games as equalised. For Palace, uh, Fulham won Brentford nil. Bobby De Cadora read in the first minute. Also goals in the Championship, and we'll give you them. Uh, we have Luton winning away to Swansea one nil, and two nil for Burnley against Blackpool at Turf Moor. Stephen, because you're on the show for the first time this season, uh, obviously you were a number nine, you were a striker. We've had a huge amount of texts in for our kind of uh, shout out to folks to give us their favourite striker. We'll get to some of them in a moment. Not the best striker, but your favourite striker it could be a cult hero, it could be a League of Ireland player, it could be uh, like a player you just love growing up watching football, but. Just how you felt um, the, the strikers that have come into the picture have done in the, the first couple of weeks. Haaland, Nunez, obviously got sent off and Gabriel Jesus going to Arsenal doing well. Yeah, I think I think the standout, what you got to say, is uh, Jesus or Arsenal. He looks, when you watch him playing now in the first few games for Arsenal, he looks, his body language looks different compared to when he was at City. I always felt when he was at City, he felt like there was a pressure on him to kind of perform because he always thought if he wasn't bang at it, he wasn't going to play. I don't think he, I don't think he ever felt like he was like he was the the main man, main man there, which he wasn't because you look at all the players at Man City and he probably wouldn't have been the one one of the players that would kind of jump out at you as being the main guy. But he's gone to Arsenal now and he's 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 hit the ground running. He's done very well in pre-season, scored a lot of goals and. Yeah, he carried that on into the first few games, and even when he scored his goal, he's a smile in his face. Even when he celebrates, I don't know, he just looks happier, happier at Arsenal than when he was at um, 
Man City. So I think he's been the standout. Obviously, we talk about Haaland. He got a great goal against West Ham, and he, he looks a real, a real athlete. I think he's, I think he's going to be a good, be a good player, a good player. I'm too sure because they were a powerhouse anyway. But listen, if they have the opportunity to sign, sign somebody like him, and it means he's probably not going to one of their rivals, then probably going to take him. And Nunes, yeah, he's he looks like a handful when he when he played, but. Yeah, he, I don't know. I think he, he'll have a lot to learn after the other the other evening because he's going to come up against kind of players like that all 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 through the kind of campaign. Players are going to look at that and think, you know, we can get into this guy. Uh, maybe it's just that Uruguayan thing. Remember, Luis Suarez? He took a, took a while to get the grips, didn't he? He's going around chewing everybody, wasn't he? When they were annoying him. So I don't know. <laughs> This was giving him some advice during the week, I think, as well, wasn't it? It was like, listen, I know, I've been there, man. You know? uh, you're going, you're going. They've a they've a different, and uh, they're a different breed in terms of football. Like they're like, they, they, you know, I think Suarez would show that like it, all's fair in in football and war in the sense of you do what you can to win. And I remember JD here last week saying like that. Haaland didn't really appeal as the type of guy that Sledgen would work on. Little did I know that like it, would, it clearly would work on Nunes like a couple of days later, where he was just he couldn't deal with it, he, and it was you don't see it at that level. And I imagine you know it was interesting to see the Liverpool players' reaction to it and what Van Dijk said afterwards because um, you saw you I mean Klopp just looked livid and you, you just can't do that. And it's he's obviously it's a target on his back now that maybe these nice centre backs who wouldn't otherwise uh, have done it will now think that they can get him. Stephen, would that have uh, happened much that you'd be He's getting... No history of it. Mm. Yeah, we just have an issue with Stephen's line there, so we'll come back to that in a moment. Um, we just got a lot of texts in there on uh, asking people for favourite strikers. Would you, Dan and Johnny, have had a favourite striker? I don't, I don't I know. I would have been uh, Robbie Fowler. Go on, yeah, because I was, I was looking... I, I had to sort of refresh my memory and look through almost like the list of Premier League top scorers from the 90s because I think all my favourite players weren't necessarily strikers. You know, it was sort of like you know, Dennis Irwin and Kinkladze and I loved what Gaza and all these type of, you know, just midfielders generally or a different type of player. Um, and, and, and even then I come back to like Bergkamp who was, I mean, again, he was a striker, but he's not quite that number nine yeah. type of striker. Um, but Robbie Fowler is yours, Johnny, yeah? Yeah, because like, uh, so I would have, uh, I suppose, when I started supporting Liverpool, it was during the Sooners era and they weren't very good. And then Fowler came along. I just had to look back at what year he got that four minutes and 35, 33 second hat-trick. Gets uh, Arsenal. What year was that, JD? I'll have to guess. Think? I think it was 94, but I'll check. You are indeed, you are indeed correct. I remember watching Get that. Get in. In... Um, in the Shivan, which would have been uh, the local pub. I was only drinking water. Um, I think it was about 11 at the time, but that's where we watched the Premier League in those days. We didn't have Sky and there was a, a massive Liverpool following and Fowler was an idol of mine. Um, and, you know, he, in fairness, at, at that time, he was he was an unbelievably dynamic goal scorer and he was a local lad and so on and so forth. I suppose from a Go United perspective, um, Alan Murphy was amazing for Galway United. Fergal Coleman was my favourite player at, uh, at the start. And this season, it's been interesting to see Stephen Walsh uh, go up front in his 30s and he scored 14 goals in the league. Um, so they, they'd be the League of Ireland ones. But Fowler was my hero when I was yeah. a kid. Liam Coyle would be in the League of Ireland, sort of cult hero in the 90s. Mm. Incredibly talented. But I saw Neville and Carragher talking about it the other day, how good Michael Owen was when he was younger and how good Fowler was. Mm at the start and like there was definitely something about Fowler at the start that he was great to watch he was sort of this instinctive ability to finish that was really uh, 
Ah, oh, like on a good day, he always seemed to score loads of goals against Arsenal as well. Like he just there were certain teams he seemed to sort of ignite against, um, but it showed how hard it was for some of them to maintain that sort of early form that they had. Um, but yeah, I love watching Bergkamp. Like he was just ah, yeah. when Bergkamp came to the Premier League, it was just at that stage where it was starting to be elevated that small bit and you're sort of seeing people who are starring in World Cups who didn't always cross over to sort of be playing in England but in that case like you did suddenly start to have you know that 1998 sort of time Did he mean it at St. James's Park though? James's Park? Which one? The Newcastle the goal against Newcastle I'm, which one was that now I'm, I'm thinking of his goal against Leicester was the one we took it out Leicester, of the sky yeah, the Leicester one was, was amazing, amazing. The, the Newcastle goal was the pirouette where he who was the defender, JD? He he did this flick around him. Was but, but it Steve, um, Steve? Steve Walsh, was it? Was Steve Watson? No. Watson, maybe. Steve Walsh? Walsh, I'm not sure if Walsh played for Newcastle. I'm thinking of the Leicester one. Leicester. Walsh was Leicester. Yeah. Yeah. He, he did yeah. a pirouette, but, but he, he, sp- he spun the ball the other side of the defender. Like, if he meant it, it was probably the most outrageous thing I've ever seen. But to this day, it's debated, did Burkamp mean that? But it being Burkamp. And of course, he had that fear of flying as well, which is quite mad. Mm. It meant that he was like... Like, like Babe Rockus. Completely enigmatic, yeah. Yeah, five three one zero six. Getting uh, Jonathan speak from Finn Harps, one of our yeah, texters, and, and Derry as well. Mills. Yeah, a, definitely takes the box for sort of cult hero striker. Definitely great hair. Jo- John Carew was at his home debut himself, and Ashley Young tore Arsenal apart. At least that's how I remember it. I loved watching George Weah playing for AC Milan in the mid nineties. Uh, on my bucket list to see AC versus Inter in the San Siro. Says Bernard. We also have Love Ronaldo, the Brazilian one, Van Basten, oh, George yeah. Weah, even though he played for the wrong team. Loved Ali McCoist when I was young, even bought the Hummer boots he wore, says Joe and Clonmel. Wow. Do you remember, do you remember when Jean-Pierre Papin was like this sort of yeah. mythical figure? Because yeah. he, he was scoring all these goals, but you wouldn't necessarily see that much of him because it was oh. like Marseille just when the, they were coming into the sort of the, the, they were very good, but then ultimately disgraced Marseille era. The Bernard uh, Tappy yeah, era. Yeah, yeah. And then he went to, was it Milan? He went to then maybe for yeah. a year or two, but he was sort of, Again, you wouldn't see him that often. Maybe on like uh, was it like Trans World Sport or something on Saturday morning or wherever you were sort of seeing European goals from. Was like, yeah, this guy looks amazing. You know, uh, Michael Reddy for Kilkenny City, fantastic season before he went to Sunderland League of he Ireland football talent, in Kilkenny. Yeah. Says Andy was, in Kilkenny, he was amazing when he was seventeen. Michael Reddy, I remember he burst onto the scene and seen him play a few times. I was like, yeah, and he did. Like he went and played in the Premier League, but again, just just sort of burned out, burned out early. Chaps, typical striker, they pitch a tent in the box and wait for a hard-worked ball, says Jim Andrade. Well, if you think of Inzaghi, like, I, I'm trying to think if I saw Inzaghi play. I think I did. Dabby's um, ass was the Newcastle defender, apparently. Ah. Yes, there you go. Um, I'm sure a lot of people uh, listening will remember it because it, it being Burkamp, it's just possible he did actually mean it. But uh, Inzaghi was amazing, JD. Like, I mean, he, you, you could get a guy, like, maybe who would beat like eight players in the most amazing bit of skill and set up in Zaggy for a tap in and he just run off on his own celebrating like he was the most selfish kind of goal scoring type what was it he was born offside according to Fergie um, but uh, what, what, a, what, a, what an icon he was uh, absolutely loved Fabrizio Ravinelli from Middlesbrough when he arrived I'm a Liverpool fan I've got a spot, soft spot for Festino Aspria for Newcastle Ravinelli got a hat-trick against was it one of his first games? Did you see Alan Murr talking about him last year? Oh yeah, uh, just said he was one of the worst professionals he'd ever been around. Like that, Newcastle was, had a few of them at that. Uh, middle, 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 had a few of them. Well, I think that was it. it. They were they were <laughs> thrilling to watch, but I'm not sure if they were great for dressing room harmony. <laughs> Hi lads, what about Steve Bull with Wolves? So consistent. Thanks, says George. Fully. Uh, Pierre yeah. van Hoydenk off the bench favourite striker is playing championship manager 2001 with Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank Henrik Larsson and Ruud van Nistelrooy three forwards up front. Good times, says Rob. Nice. Stephen Elliott. What was your favourite striker? Uh, 
uh, Robbie Fowler was my hero growing up being a Liverpool fan, obviously. But again, like there's, there's so many good forwards over the years. Like I think for me, what stuck somebody that stuck in my head, and I wasn't like when I was a young kid, I used to go on kind of trials with, with Arsenal when I was what was a 13, 14, and we used to kind of go and watch the Force team play like you now on the weekend before we flew back to Dublin. And I always just remember like the whole of Highbury chanting Ian Wright's name. Only scored a goal like not that chant Ian Wright. Mm. And I, honestly, I just I, first time I seen him play live, and I kind of not, not fell in love with him, but you know you just watch him and you think, wow, this guy is dynamite. And he he's a striker that kind of I always felt like he was going to score a goal as a kid. You watch him, I like, I like the way he used to kind of have that little bit of aggression in him as well. He left a little bit on Schmeichel a few times yeah. too, which used to kind of please me because I wasn't begrudge that. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I wasn't a massive fan of Man United, so you see stuff like that. But Ian Wright was, was amazing. Some of the goals he used to score, I always remember he scored a, f- a few chips as well, no little dinks over the keeper's head. And he was just sharp, left, right foot. Like, in, in an instant, the ball was in the goal, and his celebrations were always different. And, yeah, he was somebody that I kind of I used to really like growing up. Yeah, I mentioned that Ian Rush was somebody that I used to watch, actually, videos of Rush when I was a kid. No older videos. I, I seen the back end. I remember the back end of his career at Liverpool, like when I was a kid growing up, I used to watch the old videos. I think my dad used to buy, buy me the money and stick them in the kind of VCR and watch them like some of his goals. And he was brilliant. Rush. Um, Van Nisselrooy, he was a player, like obviously a little bit later. He was somebody that just, you guaranteed goals from for a good four or five years. And some of the goals he scored, he was just, I remember when I was at Preston, actually, Alan Irvin, um, the manager of Preston at the time, used to make all the forwards at Preston watch 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 clips of Van Nisselrooy. I think we went through a spell where none of us could score a goal. And he says, watch this guy play, watch his movements. So we used to kind of have to sit in the training ground and watch Van Nistelrooy's movements. And it's only then you kind of realise he didn't really do that. I know he scored a few goals where he kind of made goals himself, but he was always in and around that six-yard penalty area. And what a finisher, again, rootless. And yeah, and I think you can talk about, like, the I know he's, he's, he's had a good chat about Bearcamp there, and he was a phenomenal player. But when I think about forwards, I think no doubt out-and-out strikers, yeah. like we yeah. mentioned what what, what what sets him apart, sleeves? Like what? Like can you teach a striker to like make space in the box to make those runs, um, or is it just something that's kind of a natural thing where he or she seems to know where the ball is going to end up? Like I could, it's always something like I mean. I, I was a, a terrible, terrible player in front of goal uh, at my level and I could never figure out how players could just manage to be in the best position uh, that they could. But can you teach that? I think, I, I think it comes from what, what you kind of say. You say if you're, if you're a forward as a kid, you're kind of watching players in your position. and I don't know, you just thought them maybe kind of without even realising, you kind of start learning about the kind of movements you need to kind of get into the box. And you know when people say, oh, yeah, he's a natural striker, he, he's, he's sniffed up and he's always in the right time and it. I don't think that's there's kind of a little bit of that thrill, but I think that you have to walk on these moments. Like I'm sure Harry Kane, like I'm speaking about Harry Kane now because uh, I think the, the big news he scored a winner today, 185 goals in the Premier League for Spurs, which is outrageous. Probably break Alan Shearer's record if, if he plays for long enough. But I think he he, he practices these moments. You know what I mean? He probably, well, I say probably. I know he definitely like after training he'll probably do half hour just making these little darts in and around mannequins if he's on his own, and it's it just becomes second nature and. Again, if you watch these top lads, they'll make, you, you'll see the goals that they score, but they'll make countless runs where they won't receive the ball. And again, you'd be thinking, geez, I'm not going to get anything today. But even Kane today, he had a couple of headers before he actually scored. But he just keeps going. And I think if you keep going, you're kind of, you're eventually going to get your reward. But regarding your question, I don't know. I think you can teach it, but some of it is just that kind of, you learn by watching as a kid, you kind of, like I obviously, obviously when I played, I played a lot of my career as a striker, and I 
scored, scored a few goals. It wasn't as prolific as I probably would have liked, but I always knew how to kind of find space in the box, especially in my younger younger days. I think it's just one of them things. You you walk on it. If you know your, what your strength is, you tend to like walk on them. you got to walk on your weaknesses too, but you got to improve your strengths as well. So you kind of... So you keep playing in the team. So if, if say for example, if a defender's got ahead in the ball, you're going to walk on that because if you start becoming weak at that, then you're getting weak at your strength. So you don't actually have a strength then. So if you're a forward, and you've got good movement, you score, you got to keep walking on that. Otherwise, you probably don't play. So again, it's it's, it's a bit of a mixture of having that natural instinct, natural knack, but you got to walk on it as well. And the lads that uh, prolong their careers and keep scoring goals regularly, the older they get, it's they all. Obviously, walk harder than everybody else. But some of the some of the forwards there that you boys have been mentioned have been like out of this world. But again, I go back to you can Thierry Henry, players like that. I don't see him as an out and out strike, even though he scored mm. loads of goals. He wasn't that. He'd pop up on the wing, drop deep, pick up the ball, run by the whole team. I'm talking about the likes of Fowler, and Mike Alone when he broke in. Um, Andy Cole, like again, he's another one that was yeah. outstanding. I, I think if, if you were a kid like today, like say if you were the kid that Sleeves and I uh, were when Robbie Fowler came along. And you're getting into the Premier League. The player that you'll probably be like, and if you're a, a young lad who likes to score goals, the player you'll probably want to be is Haaland. But the player you should look at is Harry Kane because you're not probably you're not unlikely to have like the power and pace that Haaland has. Harry Kane isn't particularly quick, but he's an amazing footballer. And as Sleeve says, JD, I think he's worked so hard on being yeah, the best hardest that he worker, is. Hardest worker. Hardest worker. And I went on all these loans. Remember, we went to like it was at Leicester mm. and Norwich and all oh, these places. All around the place. Yeah. I'm not always prolific. I'm just thinking. Um, always Harry Kane. Yeah, I'm just thinking. Um, I think it was Henning Berg who a couple of years ago said that Robbie was. Um, I think it was Henning Berg that said Robbie was the player he he found hardest to play against because some other players would be a bit more predictable in their movement. You knew what they were going to do, but Robbie was just sort of harder to predict. And you would have been around Robbie quite naturally in in, in squads sleeves. Like, I mean, could you learn something from Robbie, or was he just completely? I don't know, Robbie just seemed to have his own style sometimes that like it was off the cuff and, you know, off the shoulder, but then he could drift as well. Like he he, he seemed to have a lot going for him that some defenders seem to struggle with him. Yeah, I presume you thought about Robbie Keane, not yes. Robbie Fowler. Oh yeah, Robbie Keane, yeah, sorry, yeah. to be clear, yeah. 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 No, um, yeah, listen, Robbie, what, like, for example, you, you'd look at, say, Robbie Fowler and Robbie Keane, two forwards that scored kind of countless goals in the Premier League. They were totally different players, though. Robbie Fowler was like, he was an out-and-out goal scorer, whereas Robbie Keane, yeah, he was an out-and-out goal scorer. But I think Robbie had a little bit, kind of, I don't know, he had something a little bit kind of, see, touch-wise, skill-wise, he's probably a little bit more skillful than, than kind of Robbie uh, Robbie Keane. But I think Robbie Fowler, you'd, probably, he'd, you'd be probably in the box a little bit more, Robbie Keane, even though Robbie Keane does get in the box. But uh, Robbie Keane was a, was a one-off. I think some of the stuff he used to do with the football, like it was just like, even in training sometimes, you'd, you'd be just watching him and he'd, he kind of it'd be like he was playing on his own sometimes. And we'd have we'd be all training, and he'd be just doing stuff that nobody else in the squad would be able to do, even if you tried it. So you just kind of you'd watch him and admire him. But again, he, he was a, he was a, listen. You don't score all them goals internationally the way he did it. If you've not if you're not special, but away from his goals as well, he was unbelievable technique, kind of skill. He'd nutmeg people, quick feet, and he wasn't lightning quick, but he always seemed to get to the ball first yeah, before yeah. other people. You know. And he wasn't, you'd never look at him and go, oh, he's a big physical specimen. You know what I mean? He's really strong. But like, he wasn't one of these where you think and he hits you and you think he's really, but he, he was just wiry. I don't know. He, I don't, listen, I don't think there's any, I don't think we have anybody really like Robbie Keane. I don't think anybody from Ireland ever kind of forward wise was like Robbie Keane. And then even afterwards, I don't see anybody that has what he has, that kind of special talent. Like it's just that touch and, 
But I think you know when you see these players, no, I don't know if you're watching when they do all the skills on as the F two and they do all the tricks and skills on the Instagram, they do the finishing. Yeah. Or else you no know, these lads do the little flicks before the games where they keep the ball up on their nose and roll around and do presser. Like Robbie could do all that like but he could actually play as well, whereas these boys that do all that can do all that, but you try and get them in a game and they'd be absolutely hopeless. <laughs> no <laughs> chance. No, no, it was like he, he kinda of had the best of both wars. I'm sure Robbie could have gone on and been a kinda of one of those entertainers with the ball, he could do so much. But yeah, and then he was just he was kinda of like not not a not clown because that's kinda of, but like he was like kinda of, you'd watch him like if you if you were going to the like showman. You, you'd watch him. Yeah, he was a showman. It was like you kind of sometimes some of the stuff you do. He was like you're at the circus, like being kind of excited, like kind of being entertained by somebody with a football. If that makes sense, do you know. Yeah, yeah. Some of the goals he scored were Coventry when he was younger. Because I think sometimes with Ireland, you'd see him sort of latching on to flick-ons or something, and you know Niall Quinn or like he sometimes did quite well in the front two for Ireland. But you remember Robbie that season? He had a Coventry. The goals, the chips, like the type of the range of goals that he scored. Like you sort of, I think, I think maybe people saw him in the latter years and maybe even forgot like forgot like how exciting he was when he was younger as well too like just the different types of goals he'd scored he, on a well, in, in the, in the sign at that age if, if you're not doing something special and I do I do remember that that year at Coventry when they'd signed from Wolves he was like so he, like flicking the ball like over people's heads chipping people right left foot and these were in against big clubs big experience kind of Defenders, and you're thinking, who's this little Irish skinny lad coming in and playing? That's the way the commentators used to speak about him. But yeah, yeah I, I don't think like again, uh, in training wise, you'd watch him, and he was just, I, there was no like I don't think I even like away from even the international. I don't think I've ever played with anybody the way Robbie Keane played. Do you know what I mean? He he, he just had kind of this. He had more tricks up his sleeve than most players I, I kind of I've ever come across. And again, he. He was a re- he was rootless as well when it came in front of the goal. If there was a chance there, especially playing for Ireland, he, he definitely knew how to put it away. A very direct. And I've already seen him live quite a good few times. As far as very direct and very talented at just finishing, yeah. uh, that's the way I would describe it. Uh, lots of kind of uh, interesting suggestions. Five three one zero six for your favourite striker, not necessarily the best striker, but your favourite striker, uh, Daniel Amokachi, Brendan Bradley, Finn oh, Harps yeah. in the seventies, still the leading League of Ireland scorer. Yeah, that's that. correct. Jim yeah. Cunningham was in touch with that. Thanks, Jim. Desi Kennedy of Limerick, a legend. Alan Clark of Leeds. Uh, Henri was my favourite striker of another club, Pure Magic. Uh, another one, Simbel Henri. Now, whether he's a number nine, well, was a, you know, we've discussed that. But on his day, there was no one to match Henri. Saw him score at Leeds when he scored falling over, single handedly destroyed teams. But I met a good Gaelic footballer as well. Bobby Gilbert's great header of a ball with Rover, says Niall. Uh, John O'Flynn or Roy O'Donovan down the cross for Cork City oh. decent as we would say John O'Flynn was very good when he was younger yeah Sinead yeah. Coakley and Kinsale thanks for your text on that Tony Abo what a goal and uh, many more as well so another one about Daniel Sturridge if I can uh, pull it up here there's so many coming through I absolutely adore Daniel Sturridge when he was Liverpool 50 goals in 116 games when he was there with Sterling and Schwarz a great time for the club during that brilliant 18 months from when Sturridge signed with Coutinho under Rodgers doesn't get the credit he deserves for his role in that time the United fan I've got so many great strikers to think of but my favourite but Robin Van Persie's one magnificent season stands out says Don in Limerick you've got to take a break on Football Saturday goals to give you from the Premier League 2-0 to Fulham now against Brentford one all between Crystal Palace and Aston Villa. Earlier on, Spurs won Wolves nil a full-time. In the Championship, it is Birmingham nil, Wigan nil. Burnley 3, Blackpool 1. Preston nil, Watford nil. QPR nil, Rotherham 1. Uh, Reading 1, Middlesbrough nil. Sheffield United 1, Blackburn nil. It is goalless between Stoke and Sunderland. Swansea nil, Luton 1 is the latest score. And West Brom nil, Hull nil. Off the ball Saturday on News Talk is back after this. 
And Gary Neville responded instantly. He said, but I've got so much more to say on this subject. I found lots of people like that. It, 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 it's a rivalry of such intensity and emotion. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports Andrew, welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday Here on News Talk. John Duggan with you 3 to 5 This is Football Saturday You can text us 53106 uh, Tweet us at Off The Ball We're streaming the conversation Listen on News Talk And watch us on the digital and social channels For Periscope and Twitter At Off The Ball YouTube, Facebook and the OTB Sports app We're joined by the former Republic of Ireland striker Stephen Elliott on the line And in studio by the football correspondent Of the Irish Independent Dan McDonnell And the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward Between now and 5 53106 If you told me we'd start the summer With Pogba being replaced with Casemiro I'd be delighted Doesn't get the board off the hook But at least we have a proper midfielder in the squad, so says uh, Michael in Louth. What do you think, Stephen Elias, Casemiro to Old Trafford? Yeah, he's a, it's, it's an interesting sign. And it's what age is he? Is he 30, 31? 30. But he, but yeah, so he's proven quality. He's been at one of the, the biggest clubs in the world for the past, what, eight, nine years. Won umpteen La Liga titles, Champions League five times, but. He's a, he's a force for some performance. He's he's a he's an improvement, I think, on what Man United have in, in them areas. So you got to say it's a positive. Whether he has the best years ahead of him or not, I, I'm not too sure. But again, he you'd, you'd expect him to come in and go straight into that team and make a difference there. And I'm sure Man United fans will be will be delighted to get somebody in and somebody of his kind of caliber. They're going to be pleased. How are they going to stop the bleeding there? Like how? What does Eric Ten Hag do? Maybe he just needs to see who comes in or if Ronaldo leaves. But like, even just tactically, how does he just stop the rot? Because last week was just horrific. I don't know. I think it's it's when you're looking at you're looking at Man United play now now, and it's you don't really know what they're doing. Like I know it's it's easy just come on and say like we're meant to be kind of speak about the game and kind of be experts on what they need to do. But you're watching. I don't think they have an actual kind of game plan or. I don't think they know who who the best player is, who they want to get onto the ball. Like you you look at Rashford, Sancho when they play. You, you, you say you usually say if you're a Man United kind of manager or or a coach, you say right, we need to get the ball to our attacking players that can make things happen for them. So they're kind of in them attacking roles. Obviously, whoever plays down the centre is up there with them. You can get the ball to them and they'll make things happen. But even if you get the ball to them, they're doing absolutely nothing. Where they're giving the ball away cheaply, they they kind of low on confidence. I don't, I don't really know what they need to do. You know, they just need to change the whole mentality in the club, and that's probably why every, when everybody says this, and Ten Hag needs time, he does need time because this, this ain't gonna change overnight. I, uh, Gary Neville, I heard say he wouldn't be surprised if Man United finish in the bottom half the, uh, on Monday Night Football, um, and I, listen, I, I totally agree with him because I just don't see a change in quickly. I know Liverpool haven't got off to the greatest of stats, but you still see Liverpool have a way they want to play. You still kind of, even though they got them kind of injuries in midfield, you still know they want to get the ball out of the bit, like Sassala and Diaz when he when he when he's playing it. These are the players that can kind of make things happen. Well, Man United they don't even have that, and then. When they don't have that and they, they don't have any confidence in the defenders as well, like balls are just going straight down the middle, and they're and they can't deal with it. And then they're, they're trying to pass the ball back out 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 of defence with the likes of Harry Maguire. And it's no disrespect to Harry Maguire, but he can't do that. So again, this is going to take time oh, and a long time to get Man United right. If they're going to continue with Ten Hag, which I think they will, because they're not going to like just kind of change managers again. They're going to have to give him a few years to kind of probably take. I don't know, five, six, seven windows to get exactly where he needs to be. And people have said this before. People say, nah, it won't take that long. 
Well, I think it will. You look at kind of Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool when he first went in there. It wasn't an overnight thing, but he had a, he had a way. And listen, there's some results along the way with Klopp where you think, Jesus, is he the right, with Klopp, sorry, along the way, think, is he the right guy for Liverpool? But he, he was given that time and event. Eventually, you start kind of everything started to gel for him, and, and he started kind of having having the team that we see we've seen now over the past few years. But at United, I think it's they're gonna they're gonna need all these transfer windows, and they're gonna have to get, get a lot of players out, but again, and bring a lot of players in. But for that to happen, it takes time, and like these players are on big contracts, and by the way they play for Man United, there aren't gonna be loads of kind of people wanting to sign them. So it's 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 gonna take. There's no. I'm, I'm expecting this game on Monday. You know, I'm expecting Liverpool to win, win really comfortably, like really comfortably. Like I don't think, like when you go and lose to, to Brentford, with all due respect to, to Brentford, not a bad team promoted last year, kind of a little bit different to what we have seen in the Premier League. Very organised, kind of know what they're about. Got, got some good players as well, but they're nowhere near Liverpool's kind of class. So if, if they're beating Man United four 0 can they change? Can Man United change that that around in what was it seven eight days when they play Liverpool, probably one of the best best clubs in the world. I don't think they can, but if I'm on United, I'm just thinking, listen, let's see how we go this year. European football, I think, will be a big ask for them this year. I'd be very surprised if they get European football, never mind top four. So, yeah, it's just it's just kind of knuckle down if you're a United fan, and it's going to take time. And they need to make sure when they do buy players, it's not players that it's like Casemiro, even as as well as, as, as good as he is and as good as he has been, is he, is he one like that? He might be kind of a stopgap, I think, for them all over the next couple of years because I don't know what it is. His best years are behind him. He's still a really good player, but I think he's kind of on the the downward kind of spiral rather than upwards. But he's better than what Man United have there, so they have to kind of plug gaps at the moment. But they're going to take a long time to kind of Man United yeah. are going to take a long time to get back where they need to be. A long, long time. It and again, seem, it's going to be. It, do, it does seem to stem. Sorry, sleeve. It does seem to stem from uh, Joel Glazer, and just the, the more you look into it, the, the general sort of indifference they have to Man United really winning something and because you, you, I don't think like you could allow a club to, even even during Liverpool's bad days sort of in the mid 90s early 90s well you know Liverpool had bad days with Jicks, uh, Hicks and Gillette yeah they had and they, but, but, and they but got it, they got away with it like, you know. eventually they like they weren't allowed to, to kind of I don't know to like fester to the extent that like like Joel Glazer does not give interviews like so wh- like why does he not give interviews and why has the club been allowed um, to fall to such a state of disrepair like because I think Liverpool ceded control to Klopp because they trusted in him and Man United have had a succession of managers good managers who haven't been able to stop the club from falling into a place like him but Gary Neville said finishing bottom half like I think Sleeves is right like even though Liverpool haven't started great but Liverpool will probably win by at least two goals against Man United on recent form yeah so where do they go from here and I reiterate they they go to Jim Ratcliffe in a sale and somebody buys them and and they invest in the club properly Mm. and they get the right people in the executive level they get the right people in terms of recruitment Uh, all of these things have been mismanaged but it is a damning indictment isn't it on um, number one capitalism if it's, you see if, totally you, if, if, you, if you see football as a social institution and you see what the Glazers now and like they, they you know they were it was regulated it was fine that's the PLC market but it, you know football should be more than just capitalism and PLCs and anybody being able to buy a club or nation states buying clubs it should be seen as a social institution maybe it's a naive way of thinking but the horse it should be, is gone though Jamie the horse is the horse is so far down the road here <laughs> that the bowl so no longer exists the, like, the, the, the horse is starting the Grand National you've won it yeah, like you know, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I endorse what you're saying, but like that, behind the sky, that, that's gone. Like you know, that's gone. I mean, and like you know, the 
the Premier League has got to where it is like you know I mean how it started was I mean a breakaway of sorts you know which is like uh, which is a, a form of capitalism yeah, yeah, there yeah. too you know how it's how it's become a sort of how it's monopolised TV markets worldwide like it's all part of the same game so, and, and then you get to a point and you go well maybe we should do something a bit more uh, you know you know have a little bit more of the, the German outlook on football or something like that and that's lovely and you know, lovely in theory but then everyone wants transfers you know everyone wants transfers a situation like Barcelona then. Yeah. yeah so I know what you're saying and like you know it can should be government intervention though can there be well they've, they've spoken about it at times I mean but I think the, the Premier League clubs are sometimes afraid of government inter- interventions like how does the government get involved do you then start to like you know you do actually have a government intervention in football now in the UK which is Brexit which has actually made it very hard for um, uh clubs lower down to bring in players from overseas but the Premier League has been left alone it's like well no we still need the Premier League everyone during lockdown everyone needs our Premier League this is our you know we want to be isolationist in a lot of th- things that we do but don't you know, don't let's leave our Premier League the way it is let the Premier League bring in the, the global superstars they can so all, all none, of, none of these low grade foreigners coming in but Haaland you know get him in get him in let, let you know let Dubai buy Haaland for us you know um, so all, all, all we to hope yeah. for then is good capitalists yeah, that's basically what you're looking at yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, you know. So Fenway, good capitalists. Gillette and Hicks, bad capitalists. Yeah, kinder, kinder. Like so, Jim Ratcliffe, good capitalist. Glazers, not you know, so good. Yeah, with you know, Ineos, like what's their views on them? Are they, yeah, good, maybe good capitalist. Then, in, in if you want to, if you want to perceive it that way, or. I don't know. I mean, like this is. I I understand completely the outrage towards the Glazers. I know exactly where it comes from. But you see, like Burnley have a sort of a potentially like a leverage takeover scenario as well. Um, But I mean, this is it. Like the Premier League is such a global beast that these people want in. So you you can't have one without the other to some degree. I don't think. Unless, unless someone's going to, you know, bring in some very, very unpopular moves that would actually probably neutralise the ability of clubs to. I mean, people, people thought Chelsea were going to be subject to sort of, a, you know, some sort of form of sanction or. Now it's almost know, like it never happened. It's, it's like I mean, you know, there was this spectre of like empty stadiums and Chelsea's going to be gone. And then a few minutes later, it's like, God, there's there's their charming American, isn't he? Isn't he a whimsical fan no, laughing he's, away? He's even standing in the same place in the in the in the, in the like yeah. with the Venetian blinds behind him. And it's almost like, oh, here's the new guy. And uh, every single day, I pick up a paper uh, and I do, so re- I, do, I do read papers. And every single day, like Chelsea are being linked today with Harry Maguire. Yeah, every single day. It's almost like like all of this thing didn't happen. So it's it. it well, say when when Blackburn, surrealism to it, to be honest. Yeah. When, when Blackburn won the league, um, which was I didn't realize that time I was quite young. Like this was mad. This would this would never happen. It was 19, like all, 1914 to all the money Jack Walker put in. But like if you <laughs> on one level, like if you're an owner and it's kind of like owning a it's like owning a horse or owning good horses. You do it knowing you're going to lose money, right? So, but that's your you have a lot of money. So you're like, this is my thing. I'm going to throw money at a football club. And fair enough, Blackburn sort of bought success, but they, you know, that 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 was that was fine. When you have a club run like the Glazers are running it, to literally take money out and run it um, in the most capitalist of ways, more or less indifferent to success, as long as they kind of give or take reach the Champions League and the bottom line is fine. Inevitably, you probably will end up in a situation where they're, sh- you know, they're, they're really really bad. Yeah. Um. 
So, so you you think Liverpool would be comfortable enough? Nunez, we we, we, we had to kind of uh, go away from you to get the technical side sorted out there, Stephen, earlier on. But Nunez, uh, do you think centre halves now will? I know he's suspended on Monday, but you know, try to troll him a bit or sledge him a bit. You, you know, he kind of, I suppose, has to be aware of that now going forward. Yeah, well, I think I think if you're a centre half playing against him now and he's back from his suspension, you're gonna you're gonna look at what happened against Crystal Palace and gonna probably try similar tactics and. Again, it's up to Nunes to learn from him. I think he's he's 23 years of age. The thing for me is he had he's had no history of that before, so it was a quite a surprise. But I don't know if you've seen the footage floating around the internet where they kind of they have a kind of a bit of a player cam on the pair of them, and yeah. Anderson was at Anderson was at him through through the game. But I still to react the way he did, I thought, listen, you can say he learned from, him, but he shouldn't do it. I like like. And I, I know these Uruguayan lads are probably a little bit more fiery than most kind of European kind of nations, but still, like, you know, especially with the VAR cameras and stuff like that, it still bewildered me when he did it. Like, you know that you get the odd little headbutt and it's kind of coming to get, that was a full-on headbutt right in his in his tooth. Like, and I know obviously Anderson made the most of it, but most players do these days, let's be honest, you want to get a, an edge on your on the, on the opposition if they can go down, and especially if you're away at Anfield, you're going to do it. So, it was baffling and he needs to learn quick and yeah, it's one of them. I think Klopp was surprised. I'd say Klopp was surprised. Obviously, he's going to protect these players and say he learned from them. But i say he was thinking to himself, what the hell have I signed here? Because, again, you do all your due diligence on players and you get your scout reports and you watch them and watch them. There was no history of them doing that before. So, yeah. again, it was really surprising. And Liverpool are going to miss him because you think and Jota's injured as well. Who's got, like, Firmino's, was he injured? He well, Firmino will play. Like, Firmino will play on Monday, yeah. I mean, like, when, in fairness, Diaz was, Diaz was so good as well uh, after the sending off that, like, it was almost this contrast of these two Latin American players, how you do it and how you don't, Sleeves. Yeah, well, that was it. Like, like, listen, I know you, you both probably, uh, you previous probably watched the game. Liverpool was still the better team by far, if not better with ten men. So, again, sometimes you think the quality of these top teams, it doesn't really matter if they're a player down. It's the quality on the ball they can keep it, whether they're kind of up against an extra player or not. But again, you're looking at like, going back to the match, the upcoming match on Monday. It's even where where kind of Nunes and Firmino comes in, who had who did look a little bit off the off the boil against Fulham in the first game of the season but again I'm sure he won't be as poor poor as that against Man United I genuinely think like maybe I'm, I genuinely think Liverpool are going to batter Man United that's how bad Man United have been it's like you're watching them and there's just they don't know how to defend they don't know what they're doing going forward they're trying these little triangles out of the back and I'm sure to, listen when I say they don't know what to do I'm sure Ten Hag knows what he's doing because he's done it at at Ajax, obviously not, albeit not the level the Premier League is, but he has an idea what, what he wants to do, but he just doesn't have the players and they, they don't have the quality or the confidence or, or kind of okay. or balls to do it. Do you know what I mean? It's, I yeah. don't know, it'll be... Well, that's the line anyway. Liverpool are going to batter Man United uh, from Stephen Elliott there. Yeah, the side of Merseyside, J.D. Everton have been so poor in this first half just watching there. Martin O'Neill on the TV, by yeah, the way. Interesting, uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so on, on Like the old days, Everton Forest. This is really going back to our youth. Yeah, it's goalless at half time, by the way, in that game. Just before we go to the break, give you the scores. Crystal Palace 1, Aston Villa 1, Fulham 2, Brentford 1, and Leicester 0, Southampton 0. Earlier on, Spurs beat Wolves 1 0, Bournemouth Arsenal half 5 start. In the Championship, half times, Birmingham City 0, Wigan 0, Burnley 3, Blackpool 1. Preston nil, Watford nil, QPR won, Rotherham won again, Chidozeg Benny scored, Reading won, Middlesbrough nil, Sheffield United won, Blackburn nil, Stoke nil, Sunderland won, Swansea nil, Luton won, and West Brom won, Hull nil at the break. And in Scotland, we have Hibernian 2, Rangers 2, a full-time score, Dundee United nil, St Mirren won, Motherwell nil, Livingston nil, Ross County nil, Kilmarnock nil, and a latest score, St Johnston nil, Aberdeen nil. 53106 for your text messages. 
you want to uh, get in touch about your favourite striker so many messages uh, coming in uh, Dwight York always played with a, a smile I cried the day he signed for Man United says Cliff and Cork Matt Letizia Lagarde not a striker but the skill level unbelievable goals Jackie Jameson genius uh, outstanding for Bowes against Rangers oh, in he the was, 1980s uh, he, was, he was some some character like a real kind of a, a, a loner really off the pitch and kind of died very young but everyone spoke about him so favourably and we will be talking about Bowes a bit later in the show as yeah, well Judy. and Battistula especially during his Fiorentina days still keep uh, one eye on Leviola because of him 53106 want to get in touch with the show Stephen Elliott Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward on Football Saturday between 4 and 5 Off the Ball Saturdays back after the news Football on Off the Ball with Sky watch Premier League Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports and you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duncan with you through to five in the company of Stephen Elliott, the former Republic of Ireland striker on the line, Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent Studio, as is the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward. So Tottenham won Wolves nil earlier on with Harry Kane on the mark in that 1-0 win for Spurs, seven points in three games. Crystal Palace won Aston Villa, one is the latest score. Uh, Ollie Watkins putting the Eagles uh, into arrears for Villa, scoring for Villa. But uh, Wilf Saha scoring the equaliser for Palace. So one all at Selhurst Park. Goal is between Everton and Nottingham Forest. Fulham 2, Brentford 1. This is at Craven Cottage. Uh, Bobby took it over Reed with the opening goal in the first minute. And then João Paulinha after 20 minutes. Christian Norgo, uh, e- uh, well, not equalising, but pulling one back for Brentford. So 2 1 there. Leicester nil, Southampton nil. Bournemouth nil. Arsenal nil is obviously the score because it hasn't uh, kicked off yet. It's at half five. In the Championship, uh, Birmingham nil, Wigan nil, a later score. Burnley 3, Blackpool 1. So Josh Cullen's club doing well. Uh, Preston nil, Watford nil, QPR won rather than one with Ogbeni on the mark. Reading won Middlesbrough nil, a later score. Sheffield United won Blackburn nil, uh, Stoke nil, Sunderland won, Swansea nil, Luton won, and it's West Brom won Hull nil. And earlier Rangers drew only in Scotland, so they drew 2 2 with Hibernian at Easter Road. We've been asking listeners because Stephen Elliott, striker for the Republic of Ireland and Sunderland and Hearts as well, is on the line. Uh, we've been asking you who your favourite striker was, not necessarily the best ever striker, but your favourite striker, so getting a lot of individuality in terms of the messages from our audience this afternoon on 53106 it costs a 30 cent um, my favourite goal scorer has got to be the brilliant uh, Leeds midfielder Peter Larmer hot shot Larmer uh, Leeds all time top goal scorer says John Brooks in Ennis uh, we also have a text in here on 53106 Samir Slav one of our texters is talking about who's got the record for World Cup goals he was unbelievable. Like, I mean, he, he seemed to be playing until he was about 60. Like, yeah. and he just, uh, you'd never hear of him. Then you'd just rock up every two years and get all these goals uh, for Germany. It's unbelievable uh, consistency. A uh, great man to light up at major tournaments. Definitely brings back brilliant memories of watching World Cups and Euros growing up, says James in Cork. Favourite striker, Teddy Sheringham, says Claire in Galway. Wayne Clark, Everton, bought him in late 86-87. He, uh, his goals won them in the league, fell off a cliff after that, but over those few months was a legend. And Mick Byrne, as he sits uh, beside at Rovers, says Joe and Carlo. Kerry Dixon was the top scorer in all four divisions. Uh, Lee Mercer at Shelburne, says Steve. Uh, Battistuda, another one of our oh, texters, yeah. uh, Gabriel Battistuda, a uh, very uh, popular one. Uh, so yeah, who's your favourite striker? For Clive Adam was somebody who was, uh, was close to my heart. He's obviously on the football kickoff a lot of the time now. Um, best striker ever is a Spurs fan, Jurgen Klinsmann or Robbie Keane. Elsewhere, I can't decide between Gerd Muller or Marco van Basten or Raul. And uh, Frank O'Neill, co-ramblers and Cork football legend, he even had a beer named after. And also <laughs> Mario, says Paul and Cove. 
and uh, Yakubu and Del Piero, so, say Bill and Wexford. So It'd be interesting. So, Yaboa was brilliant. But the, the two yeah. goals. I had a fancy football team, and that was, I think it was the nineteen ninety six season. Yeah. He scored two amazing goals: one against Liverpool, one against Wimbledon. I was and on then a, he never scored again. I was on a beach. I remember in New York, we were there for a family holiday, and for whatever reason, in those days, I remember hearing of the result by getting a copy of the Irish Independent the following day and seeing that Yaboa had gotten this goal. Little did I know the goals that he was scoring at that time. It'll be interesting from an Irish perspective, JD, we've spoken about all our defenders. Is Obafemi going to be that uh, striker? That or Ogbena even. Or Ogbena. Not, not really a striker, but yeah. Festi Obaselli may well be starting for Udinese at half five. So we've all these sort of attacking players who um, are... More of a wing back, though. He's not really a striker. Uh, no, he's not a striker, but more of a winger maybe. But uh, Ogbena... Um, is doing well but I think Obafemi is going to be very interesting scored that, during the week he scored during the week uh, as did Ryan Manning actually we might talk about uh, crazy game that did you see I the, didn't see it late, late he goals. scored two own goals Swansea yeah. in injury time yeah. having led from uh, the I don't know the 15th minute or something like that so uh, extraordinary game yeah for unfashionable strikers though what about Quinn and Phillips partnership for Sunderland oh yeah Brendan Bradley at Finn Harps in the 70s uh, we mentioned that earlier on didn't we uh, I love Shawnee Maguire Cork City says Shane and Kildare he was it, 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 when Sean Maguire was at his best for Cork City it was it was something else to watch at League of Ireland level even in Europe you were like god this lad can he would make like literally a yard of pace JD a yard of space and that was enough and that was a great time to be a Cork City fan I mean look at the club since he left I think that's all you need to know and probably other issues as well though yeah. um, Frankie Bunn for Oldham Athletic unplayable on their plastic oh, yeah. pitch says John and Aslone uh, Ariel Ortega every time I took a shot in the summer of 98 you'd hear the shout Ortega so it must be interesting for the neighbours <laughs> um, yeah uh, and Manny nodded text in here 53106 whatever about the manager playing style recruitment the executives and the owners which all obviously have to be addressed in the medium to long term in the short term the attitude and application of the existing squad of players has to drastically improve show some fight and pride in the jersey their attitude stinks right now yeah so it's interesting about these Irish players in, in the championship and a lot of them are playing I think that's the, the most important thing that a lot of these guys are getting first team football Gavin Bazuno I thought I only watched the highlights of Southampton Leeds was very assured last week even though we did concede two goals I don't think they were his fault but yeah Robbie Brady seems to be getting a, a game again and a groove again he's a Preston now yeah yeah. sorry Johnny go ahead yeah we, we, we have like uh, we've, we've that left wing back position is probably the one that's uh, I don't know maybe most up for grabs JD and um, it's interesting like for Omar Bamadeli like Omar Bamadeli is getting his game I think I think Norwich play four at the back I may be wrong but I think he's playing they do, yeah, they do. yeah he, I think he and Hanley who's like a real um, kind of solid yardstick at that level so at one level Omar Bamadele is doing at the championship and it's it's interesting then to compare like Collins because Collins Collins today if he were playing the championship would probably have been given a 10 out of 10 but he wasn't he was on Kane and Son and like a couple of brief momentary lapses mean that they lose the game and it's it's levels I guess but it, it, I think there are a lot of green shoots going forward I don't know what you think Don no, I mean, the, well, the Robbie Brady one is, is good to see just purely because he hadn't been playing football um, effectively for the guts of two seasons and he's gone to Preston, he's playing regularly. It's something Stephen Kenny spoke about recently that all of a sudden the championship has become very relevant again. Like last year, Ireland had a number of players in League One, you know, in McLean, Will Keane, Ogbené, um, one Troy Parrish. Yeah, Troy Parrish is right, yeah. And all of them pretty much have gone up to the championship this year. I think, you know, Conor Harrahan's down in League One now. But it, it may well be that the next squad is very much made up again of sort of, you know, Josh Cullen has come back uh, to play in the championship. So it may well be that his next squad is back very much to Premier League and, and championship players again. And I know sometimes levels can be 
deceiving in a way but uh, you know Callum O'Dowd has been reborn at Cardiff this year mm. someone who Kenny really has always rated from the start like Brady and O'Dowd were two players that would have been in his early teams I mean O'Dowd would have been very much involved in that playoff in Slovakia and they haven't even been in squads in last year and, and like rightly so because they haven't been playing for their clubs and um, so it it just goes to show that like sometimes like the, the nature of international football we can you can talk about uh, you know he's had a good result with this side and maybe a couple of months later he, he goes out and tries to pick the same team again you maybe can't have that much continuity like so much of it is reliant on form and things that happen even Obafemi wasn't really you know deserving of a of a call maybe a year ago but then all you know he's, he's propelled himself up to another level in terms of his career so um, it is it is sort of encouraging without getting too carried away like you know you have to sort of be not, not sort of lose the run of yourself completely because as Johnny mentions I mean it might be in certain positions that it's stronger relative to others and you'd like to see Irish players scoring goals in the Premier League and you'd like to see sort of a commanding Irish midfielder in the Premier League so there's there's, there's issues there but um there's there is some cause for encouragement as well, and um, because you're you're probably looking at the age profile of this team and hoping that um, a lot of them are going to be hitting their peak over the next couple of years and these big qualifying years. Five three one six. Uh, Henrik Larsson and big Pierre van Hooydonk. Uh, Samuel Leto, the complete striker, desire for goals like no other for Barcelona. Says Shane and Cork. Uh, favorite striker Donald Leahy, Evergreen United and Cork Celtic. Says Greg from Cork. Yes, so uh, many, many suggestions. Sam Verdon, uh, League of Ireland stalwart, just texted in, don't forget Mark Faduka at Leeds. I'd actually, it's funny he mentioned that because uh, it appeared on Twitter there the other day, it must have been an anniversary, where Mark Faduka scored against Ireland at Lansdowne Road, which I'd completely forgotten about. Was that in 2003? 2003, in a game that Ireland John won. John O'Shea, I think it was his first John game. O'Shea got, John O'Shea yeah, scored. Oh, scored. It was something to do with John O'Shea. Oh, he scored the equaliser and Clinton Morrison, yes, possibly his, only goal. his debut maybe. Before, I think it was the only goal oh, before Gelson Kirkin, wasn't it, for John O'Shea? Right. I, which uh, I remember watching in Iran of all places but what yeah, the, the Australia game or the, the, the Germany game the Germany game, game. I, I remember like well the, you want diplomatic relations uh, <laughs> it was like Argo <laughs> no, no it wasn't like that I, I just happened to like going to Iran uh, when I was in my mid-twenties special envoy but to I Iran t- from the I turned Iran on the TV in like this really like old school but you can't even drink in Iran can you no you can drink t- today's show tea, is just tea, a tea. series of stories of Johnny Ward watching football matches in unusual places he was on a beach. in a pub when he was 10 in the beach in New York, York. is there New York had beaches in Iran Long Island. Yeah, um, but the, the, the game in Iran I turned on the TV and like what are you expecting um, in, in, the, in my uh, little hotel room and what was on but Germany and Ireland and I was like this is absolutely mad so I watched it on the box and John O'Shea uh, great would you not be I don't know trying to find a, a place that does cups of tea that would show it, it um, you, I'd say you'd be still looking now um, this is probably an opportune time to mention your trip on Monday JD to yeah, well, that's the hope, the hope yeah the hundred years to the day so the hope is that we can uh, get to Ben Leblanc mm. I'm not a driver so there might, this could end up in a I don't know <laughs> this could end up being fun if you are but, the, I've, but I've got to point out that Nathan Collins middle name is Michael today, there we go so All right. if he was to get a red card this weekend it would have been like you know some kind of topical twist because he, he got booked earlier on didn't he so yeah uh, yeah so uh, it's train and uh, tra- train and bus and a bit of a walk I was um, saying to you off air, you should do like a Hunter S. Thompson type article on the whole um, escapade and just kind of see what happens. Get fear, off the fear and, fear and loathing in the Rebel County. Fear, fear and loathing in Bale and the Blaw. Um, but yeah, that'll yeah. be that'll be busy now. I'd say you'll you'll do yeah. well to get a good vantage point. You've been you've been Johnny, haven't you? I have, I have, but um, not on the hundred year anniversary of his death. I just went any other day, and um, yeah, it's. Uh, fairly inspiring place I'm just thinking Sleeves is there any striker you come up against on the opposing side that I don't know was 
better than you realised sort of watching on TV if you know what I mean that you would have had the chance to suddenly step out on a Premier League pitch or even a Championship pitch maybe with some players and realise oh actually he's, he's far better than I thought he was Um. Well, I'd probably say, not who, not who I probably thought was better, I'd say Wayne Rooney, because I think a lot of people don't realise how good Wayne Rooney was. Yeah. Like, going back to... Because I've, I've heard a lot of people, like, I don't think he gets the respect, because obviously what see what went on off the pitch from all the kind of the headlines, all the things he's gone up to over the years. But I think Wayne Rooney was a phenomenal footballer. Like, And again, regarding my like, kind of best strikers in the Premier he's got to be up there probably. He's up there with anybody. He he's honestly one of the best players I've ever played against in my life. He was like, you don't realise how good he was. Good he is on you're up against him. And you just see him move on the pitch. He was quick, strong. He could pass the ball, score goals, good in the air for somebody that wasn't massively big. And I think he's a player. He's a player that would probably fit in that category. Regarding like a lot of people, where they say, yeah, he was good when really Man United, but he was like, he was up there. I don't think there's there won't be many players that play in the played in the Premier League that would be better than him like, I know we're talking about Harry Kane being the, being the best kind of goal scorer in the Premier League potentially but Wayne Rooney I don't think Harry Kane's anywhere near as good as Wayne Rooney all round as a forward as a, as a player Was that when they would, you, I'm guessing you would have played against him in his younger years Sleeves I'm just thinking was that because yeah, early, yeah, early Wayne Rooney was inc- yeah, well, incredible I, Yeah Yeah well I remember we played Everton when I was at City in the, we played Everton in the Youth Cup not the prestigious competition they're all yeah. the, the youth teams playing in England and we, we, we got to the quarter final I think and we, we got Everton away in the quarter final might be in the quarter I think it was the quarter final obviously me myself Glenn and Paddy McCarthy uh, so Glenn Whelan Paddy McCarthy Willow Flood Joey Barton were the play we had a decent team like you know in the in the in the U team Brian Murphy was in goal and we, we, we got Everton in the quarter final and it was like there was taught, Wayne Rooney was like a year or a year and a half or a couple of years kind of age group no below us at the time so he was still in school and I was still, before he scored this goal this goal for Remember he scored his goal against yeah. Arsenal when he when he done David Seaman for miles. So this was a little bit before then. And everybody, you know when you hear kind of people talk behind the scenes, oh, Everton had this lad from school he's going to play against. Because we played against Everton, knowing the in the U-team league, and we beat them. I think we beat them comfortably enough. And they were like, yeah, yeah. But they have like this lad playing. We were thinking, it can't be that good. Do you know what I mean? I'm thinking, can't be that good. Like So anyway, this this Rooney comes out of the tunnel now at Goodison. And we were all like, no game. Like, no, typically want to win the game. And this lad comes out, just built like, a, like an absolute... Yeah. Monster, right? We're thinking, oh, so this went. Honestly, they beat us three-one. I think we scored a penalty late on. Glenn scored a penalty late on, but he scored two and made a goal. And we all come off the pitch, and when you come off to a pitch, and you just think, what on earth have we seen there? Do you know, like, it was like mm. it was just like he took over the game. And this is somebody that was probably the best part of two years younger than most of everybody else. And it was a, it was an eye opener where you, know when you think you're at levels, even at that age, you think, oh, we're we're, we're good players. Then you're seeing this lad, and it was just like wow. It was like a wow moment. So when when we seen him now score that goal against um, Arsenal not so long afterwards, it was a little bit. I was thinking to myself that doesn't really surprise, surprise. me because he, I, I'd seen a kind of forced hand. And then we played him actually again in the league. Then he played up again in the league. I think he scored a couple again as, not long after the U Cup game. But yeah, phenomenal player. And obviously I played against him a few times later on in his in his career when I started playing like like force team level. And he was just just phenomenal. And again, he could have like. People could have, people say, oh, I could have done so much more because he obviously had that kind of physique about him where he looked like he liked the beer and probably didn't eat as well as kind of say other players. And but still, like I think that was just him. That was the way he carried himself. But he was an outrageous footballer. Like, and I, I think people forget forget quickly how good he was. Some of the goals he used to score, like you no know, when you're kind of watching that them programs on Sky, the, the hundred club, and you, you're watching Wayne Rooney 
go. And it was just like, yeah, everything like cracking back, making tackles, getting sent off. He scored a hat trick for Man United in the Champions League on his debut, like, uh, what was he, 17, 18? Like, that's, that's mm. unheard of, really. If somebody was doing that now, they'd be like, and I know he obviously got big, big, massive headlines, but I always feel like people don't give him as much credit as what he probably should have. And speaking of forwards, he's somebody that probably escaped the conversation a little bit earlier on. He was phenomenal. Yeah, and uh, that European Championship in 04, he was exceptional. Yeah. He got injured, I think, in it. it, it I mean, that's a, I have to say that's a great story to have played against Rooney at that stage when he was that yeah. sort of hype player. I mean, it, it is a thing that you, you talked about Fowler, Michael Owen and Rooney today. And you think like how exciting all of them were. And they all had this sort of... Um, whether it was like the Victory Shield or the FA Youth Cup or, yeah. or so, you know, they had some competition they played in where their reputation sort of preceded them. But maybe Fowler was a little bit more, was less exposed because it was a bit earlier. You know, you weren't, maybe didn't get as much hype. Um, but you could argue about the three of them. Like, I mean, did they, I, I don't know, like, did they all play their best football before they were 22, 23? Yes, well, like, well, all in hamstrings. Like, yeah. you know, is it hard to be at that young English superstar as well, too? Like, Rooney probably suffered from some of that attention that he was so amazing. They all had a, particularly Owen and Rooney, they, they, they both had major tournaments very earlier in their career, like 98 for Owen and, the, and Rooney in 04. And, um, you know, who was it speaking? Was it, was it Neville again during the week speaking about Rooney's attitude towards that? He was just buzzing, looking forward to the game. But I sort of wonder, did they all end up loving football as much mm. as, as time went on? And is there something in that, you know? I mean, Rooney seems to still love football in terms of how he analyses it and he's gone into management. So clearly, clearly he does, but maybe elements of their fame um, maybe became less enjoyable um, as it went along. I don't know. It's it's harder to sort of train on in football terms maybe when you're that much of a protege. Yeah, maybe injuries. I think injuries is a big thing. Of it. Yeah, like, of like Shearer, Shearer did his knee and he was never the same player. Like Owen had huge problems with injuries and Owen lost that bit of pace. desperately pace. Like it was all about yeah. pace for like him. Jimmy Greaves, like, maybe there are other reasons, but Jimmy Greaves is pretty much gone by the age of 30. Yeah, it's so, sad to see as well because you look at like say Neil Farouja who came on for Rovers during the week and Shamrock Rovers scored I think in Stephen Kenny's first under 21 game against Luxembourg um, but like so much pace and he has been riddled with injuries like and you're just you're, he's getting a run now and you're just hoping like when you have a, a kid as, as good as Farouja could be and we'll talk a bit, a bit about Rovers and on this they've lacked pace in Europe at times and it's caught them out and he's one of these players that has that pace and he, he's, he's had no luck with injuries JD and the, young Murphy from Pats as well Dan is it um, Adam Murphy Adam yeah. Murphy he's another player who's had, like really precocious but injuries have been so like much of a, an ally already in his life so you're just hoping that these kids get a break but it's the same I mean like I think we talked about it before like someone like Mbappe who was sensational at the World yeah. Cup in 2018 look at him the but, other like, day maybe like maybe that's the high point you know <laughs> like yeah, you know yeah. and I mean he's done outrageous stuff since but just like it's sometimes people have these attributes that their early years is just like or maybe just life is easier for them and less complicated yeah. for them and they can play with more freedom and then as time com- goes on it becomes more like a job or something and it's harder like I don't know like I assume sleeves you see these players that come on the scene and just it's 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 it, you kind of respect those ones who can keep it going over 10, 12, 14, 15 seasons like it's an amazing thing to be able to do yeah, I think so. And I think, especially going, going back a few years, I think it's like nowadays, there's so much more for the players now, like not regarding injury and recovery-wise and kind of injury prevention, whereas the, the lads, like obviously going back a few years, that were able to stay and play and, and keep that level, kind of levels, the, the high levels that they had for like years and years, 
I, I think you got to give them huge respect. Now, listen, it takes a little bit of luck as well. If you get like really, but like we speak, I know you mentioned Alan Shearer there picking up a couple of late. Like, you still, you, people say he wasn't as good. Like, can you imagine how many goals he would have scored if he didn't miss all them seasons through with his leg? Because he's missing mm. full seasons here with like his with his broken legs, and he still managed to score was a two hundred and sixty odd goals in the Premier League, and it's like. You just think he still came back. Probably like Shearer was quite quick when he was younger. If I remember correctly, when he was at Southampton and Blackburn, he's quite like. You remember he's a quick player. He could get away from defenders. Whereas when he played at Newcastle, he kind of changed the style of his game. But one thing that didn't change was his finishing. He knew where the goal was all the time. And again, it was, it's it's one of the lads that prolong themselves. They obviously look after themselves. And it's probably a bit harsh saying he look they look after themselves better than other players because I think nowadays you'll see most professional footballers. They're all in unbelievable nick. Do you know. What I mean? I mean, there's a, there's a standard there, a requirement where you kind of this level, like obviously Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo is a bit of a. Freak, well, I was going like, to mention him, Steve, because like he's Ronaldo's 37 and a half now, and like I, I'd always be Messi. If there is a Messi v Ronaldo debate, I'd always be on the Messi side. But they were different players. They are different players, and like Ronaldo. I mean, we've we've talked it to death about is he a good or a bad thing for Man United, but like one thing you can't escape from. I mean, even that hat trick he got against was Spurs. Like he's it's it's incredible at his age the quality of him. Yeah, it's, and again, it's it's like that, but that's the that's the way the game is, is going to be. Going back even a little before that, before our time, even like Diego Maradona, like unbelievable. I only remember him through watching kind of archives and, and videos and, and recordings of him. But he was a little barrel, wasn't he? he? He doesn't look like you could imagine him sitting in the back of in a little kind of back house Italian little restaurant and happy munching pizza and drinking beer and going out the next day and playing a game and still being phenomenal. But yeah. do you know what I mean? That's that's my little kind of picture I have of like Maradona. Do you know when you? You speak about him being kind of mixed, kind of there's rumors of him being mixed up with the Italian mafia and and this that and the other. But when you watched him, you just kind of he was just kind of this free spirit that went out played. Yeah, he had a bit of a kind of barrel chest on him, a little bit of a belly, but he was still for not. Whereas nowadays you don't really get players like that because the game, the players are are all you have to be like you come back for pre you go back for preseason. Now this started coming a little bit even when I was playing like kind of you come back at preseason not to get fit. You come back at preseason just to kind of just to kind of the lads have come. Going off trying to show off how fit they are because mm. there's nobody unfit anymore. Like you just so it's like when you're running, you're like thinking there's no hiding place, and I think that's something that's massively changed now. In the off season, like even when I first started playing, the off season was a little bit you go and have your few weeks and get go gone not party but have like let the hair down, go go away or you know what I mean, eat crap and have a few beers and then you get back. You have a couple of weeks. Whereas I don't think players even take time off now. They're always in the gym and they're always looking at. So again, it's changed from that way where players go there. It's a bit of a kind of. And obviously we got all this Instagram and kind of social media players want to look good and, and kind of look look at the Nick Weir. And that's the way the game is going. But I think the football, the longevity of footballers is, is getting better now because of that. And again, if, if you, you talk about these players that, that lasted long back then where where they didn't quite have that, then you've got to give them huge respect to kind of to get that out of their bodies. But who's to say that the likes of these players, if they, if they looked after themselves a little bit better, whether they would have even been better than what they, what they were. So it's... The game is like the world is evolving, so is football. Everything is like who who's to say we'll be talking about something different in 10, 15 years mm-hmm. time. But it's 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 just it's you, it's only when you look back and you read like I I, I even there no one when clips fo- uh, pop up when I was playing like when I first started playing I'm looking at them thinking geez it looks like I was playing in the olden days. Do you know what I mean? Even though the early two thousands it's not really that long ago, but like now compared to now you think Jesus was it like the jerseys and all hanging off yeah. you know the jerseys like, is yeah. a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. Baggy jerseys. Yeah, you see the jerseys I used to wear like kind of small, they still be coming over my arms and all I'm thinking, these are massive skinny little thing running around, like whereas nowadays all the jerseys are like 
bet onto the lads and you can see all the six packs and that's where the, the game has kind of changed a little bit like that's a bit more bit more showy and that but it's probably for the better for the game because it, it means that players are doing things a little bit better than what they have doing and like you say they're getting more longevity out of the body than great for them we have had goals in the Premier League. Uh, Leicester once at Hampton once at James Madison putting the Foxes in front and Shay Adams has equalised. Stevie G, uh, it, was, it was a tricky one today and they're 2-1 down. Aston Villa to Crystal Palace. Wilf Saha has scored from a rebound from his own penalty, which was missed. So two goals to Wilf Saha, 2-1 to Crystal Palace against Aston Villa. Goal is still between Everton and Nottingham Forest. Not much to write home about, Johnny, is it? No, Everton have been a bit better second half, but um, you, you do wonder. I mean, can't score goals. They can't score goals, and like they've they've had from my watching, they've had like maybe one chance in a, in sixty seven minutes here. And um, Forest look like if they have a little bit of belief, they could win this. And I I definitely think Lampard is going to be. Uh, under pressure, and I, I'm just not really sure they actually have the players at the moment. They've they've obviously been hit bad with injuries, but like this this is alarming. Like they were hot favourites to win this, and they've they've not looked like the better team at all. Fulham do Brentford one. Yeah, there was the, the Everton had two set piece chances early on that they possibly should have scored from, but since then there's been very little in general play. Uh, five three one zero six, your favourite striker. Uh, the Don Don Givens scored a memorable hat trick versus USSR in 1974 and Dalier says Chris oh, they showed that during um, I brought this up before but they showed that during remember remember how we got through remember what how country we, were you Johnny sorry Sleeves what country were you in watching this one he's Is like yeah, I watched this going down Norway. a boat in Thailand or Norway. something yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think I was it wasn't even a conception in my father's head at that stage yeah. but um, no the, do you remember how we, we, we basically got the nation through lockdown GD with our World Cup memories on yeah. Saturdays yeah. well obviously a, a, an extension of that team was uh, RT showed these vintage games that game I'm pretty sure um, was shown and the atmosphere was unbelievable for this was that the day Liam Brady yeah. Brady's debut was it yeah. and uh, Chippy was so playing he, midfield and Giles was playing alongside him and I remember like the pitch in Daily Mount was not good and Ireland were passing the ball like across the back in what was it 1974 I was like we actually did play football back in the day and it was amazing to watch and the atmosphere sounded unbelievable like and, and that Givens hat-trick uh, beating the US SSR, I mean, there must have been some party in uh, in Dublin that night. It's back in the USSR. Yeah. Um, yeah, USSR reached the European Championship final in 72, so it wasn't bad at all. And yeah. Brady looked, like, Brady looked unbelievable. I think he might have been, like, 17 or 18. Yeah. And his control of the ball, and he liked the, the long hair, which obviously um, was a feature of him at that time. And, uh, oh, my God, like, it was amazing to watch. Mm. Uh, 5 3 one, oh, six. Hi, lads. My favourite striker is John Aldridge, uh, uh, says uh, Ian and Lusk. Uh, no brainer at Maradona. However, one fellow that comes close is Hotshot Hamish. Two footed, tended to burst the nest for giggles. Absolute legend. I think he was a cartoon character, wasn't he? He was. Was uh, he in the. Uh, Mighty Mouse and Hotshot Hamish. Yeah. I remember reading them when I was young. Uh, Roy Race hasn't got a shout so far. No, he hasn't, no, but he won everything. Long, long career. Won I, I kind of didn't like Roy Race, to be honest. Well, was Roy and the Rovers? This? Or the Rovers, he yeah. Was the they won every single game. There was, never he, any, there was never any despair. There was never any kind of dips. There was never any grey. It was always just win every game. They come back from 4 0 down to win 5 4. I think you took it a bit too seriously, JD. They probably did, yeah. Malchester, yeah. Malchester, uh, Malchester Rovers. Yeah. Yeah, Roy Race. I, I preferred that Billy's boots. There's a guy called Billy. When he put on the boots, he turns into this great it was, striker. It was Billy I was thinking of the other day because I, I gave a lend of my bike to... Uh, I have an Atos bike, which is a really good bike. I gave a lend of it to a lad and uh, I've gotten bikes, like basically replacement bikes since and I completely... I can't cycle anymore. I feel like Billy's boots is like, I'm not actually a good cyclist at all. I just need this bike back. It's that good. And uh, it was basically a Billy's boots moment. Yeah. I've forgotten about Billy's boots. Yeah. yeah. Um, 53106 uh, at our Miola and I can never say his name correctly. Uh, I was trying to say it again. Adara Miola, isn't it? Was excellent at left back for Coventry in their Carabao Cup game last week, says one of our texters. 
on 53106. The King of Rome, Totti, says Connor and Galway. Christo Stoichkov for Barcelona, the dagger. They showed him before uh, the Rover CSK Sofia game on the local TV. And uh, yeah, it was it kind of, I mean, Stoichkov must be like 60 odd now, would he be? No, no, be no that'd be 50, 50 55. 1968, I think he was born. Let's Google that. Uh, Hadji and Stoichkov. Um, ended up playing together at Barcelona. That's right, two, two majority characters. Davar Suker. Oh, Davar Suker, yeah. He the, was, remember the chip and Yeah, the actually, he's one of those as well that you wouldn't have seen as, as much JD. of him. And, he, and then when he came to Arsenal, he wasn't he wasn't at his best. But yeah, he's he was... Oh, yeah. No, he was sensational. Yeah, that's a good shout. Paolo Wanchops is one of our texters. Your favourite striker. Saw him striker. playing in Terryland in a friendly against uh, Derby County, actually. There you go. Oh. Brentford have equalised 2-2 against Fulham. These are all, I always say, subject to VAR, which is, seems to be less... Uh, Prevalent at the moment. Uh, Ivan Tony scoring the second goal. Yeah, because they've had one chalked out. I, I checked a couple of minutes ago. It was two all, and then it was wiped. It was Tony, but he's got another one. This yeah. seems to be legit. And there has been a third goal at Selhurst Park for Crystal Palace. Uh, so the score are yet to come through, but not a good start to the season for Aston Villa and Stephen Gerrard. They're three one down at Selhurst Park. Everton nil, Nottingham Forest nil, two two Fulham Brentford one one Leicester Southampton half five start between Bournemouth and Arsenal bringing the teams after the break and also hear from Damien Duff <laughs> uh, 1-0 for Spurs against Wolves as a result and in the Championship Birmingham nil, Wigan nil, Burnley 3 Blackpool 1 a latest uh, Preston nil, Watford nil, QPR 1 Rotherham 1 Reading 1 Middlesbrough nil. it's Sheffield United 1 Blackburn nil, Stoke nil, Sunderland 1 it is Swansea nil, Luton 2 now and West Brom hammering hole by 4 goals to nil. in Scotland earlier on Rangers 2 Hibs 2 Dundee United nil, St Mirren 2 a latest Motherwell 1 Livingston nil, Ross County nil, Kilmarnock nil, and St Johnston nil, Aberdeen 1 53106 your texts on Football Saturday Stephen Elliott Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward after this Football on Off the Ball With Sky Watch Premier League Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports and welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you as always until five. This is Football Saturday with Stephen Elliott, Dan McDonnell, and Johnny Ward. Remember, football and off the ball brought to you by Sky. It's the big one. Don't miss Man United versus Liverpool on Monday Night Football live only on Sky Sports. Now, Off the Ball needs your help. We're currently recruiting for a survey. If you listen to us across any platform at least a couple of times a week, then we'd like to ask you some questions. You can sign up on Twitter, check out our pinned tweet, or if you're an Instagram user, check out our safe stories. We're also posting this week across TikTok and Facebook there's three separate prizes of €100 Euro up for grabs for anyone who takes part 53106 on uh, favourite strikers Litmanen at Liverpool lads Andre Shevchenko from Milan mm. what about Eusebio says Paul somebody who's on Twitter to me about David Ginola uh, not having Sky's young fellow being absorbed by Channel 4 James Richardson and his fancy coffees I oh, absolutely yeah. loved Jean-Pierre Papin from that Milan team Gazzetto yeah, he looked all class. Uh, Ian Rush in the early 80s, a genius for fast finding space and then finishing. Owen and Clare. Lads, as a football mad young lad in the 80s, always remember Hugo Sanchez and Emilio Butragueno at Real Madrid, says Jay in Dublin. Uh, Batistuda, George Weah. Uh, Burkamp, says uh, Ken in Kinnelagad. Um, remind that man who said there was, must be some party in Dublin after the USSR game that there are another 31 counties in Ireland that watch soccer. OK, we'll take your uh, feedback. Um, game was in Dublin though yeah that's what I was thinking sure, I was logically thinking Daily Mount like where would you go afterwards um, probably a good time now to mention um, Mono uh, yes. who would have worked in the Bowes Bar um, known as Mono basically Mono, by everyone yes. Derek Mono and, and uh, 
I'd, I'd have to say, like, I just knew him as a really, really friendly face. And you go into these bars and, you know, the, t the typical Irish thing, you try to get a pint of Guinness at halftime, has to be poured twice and you have to get out for the second half. Somehow managed to do it. But he was always so friendly and he made you feel like uh, really a, a warm kind of guest, even though you weren't a Bose fan or whatever. And I was gobsmacked by the news and you just see, like, the, the tributes from Bose, from everyone, from Keith Long to Daniel Lambert, everyone involved, um, absolutely tragic. And just my thoughts go out to his family. And he, you know, from everything I read about him, as Dan will attest, he epitomised what's good about the League of Ireland. Yeah, I know. Like, I can only just echo what Johnny said there. And it's very poignant, like, to someone put a photo up on social media of, I think, of, of Mono looking at the Connacht Street stand was demolished last week in Daily Event because um, it is part of the. The, uh, the, I mean, the, the they are starting, I suppose. The the, the renovations, whatever, whatever is going to happen there, and and I suppose someone who was I think forty one, and, and like anyone with a love for the club, probably looking forward to seeing what's coming next. Um, but yeah, the the volume of tributes from people, like it's it's you know there is a, a community vibe to football here. Sometimes, like there really is, and there there are these there are these people who do like ten jobs in a club, you know, because they don't have the staff or the the range of options that would exist in other countries, and and that's why it's really it's really felt when something like this happened to describe someone as say by one role is doing them a disservice because they generally do twelve, thirteen, fourteen, all sorts of things, and um, so. Yeah, no, it was just again just to echo Johnny's comments and um, sympathies to everyone to to knew and loved them, and that's a, a lot of people by the sense. And of you it. can you can go to like a sporting event, and you know you can go to the the nicest ground in the world, um, and you can be somewhat underwhelmed. Or certainly, I have. When you, I think part of the reason that bows have become so popular in Daily Mounts is the the vibe that's there and the, the the friendliness of people at the ground and the general atmosphere in the bars uh, in the stadium be it kids boys or girls um grandparents like generations of Bose fans or newcomers of which there have been a lot to Dublin 7 in recent years an awful lot of people who would have started going to Bose matches and a pivotal part of that was going to the bar and Mono serving you a pint um, with no um, you know nothing but a smile for you and and always like with a quip and um, it's, a, it's really really sad loss and as Dan says he he is what the League of Ireland really is, is special to me like I you know if you want to watch the best football obviously you will watch the Premier League but if you want to sort of feel good about life Sometimes the League of Ireland is a really special place, and Daily Mount will be so much uh, less because of his loss. Yeah, Nottingham Forest have uh, scored against Everton. I just echo everything everybody said here, and we obviously paid tribute to uh, Mono and Derek Mono. And he talked breakfast there yesterday with Shane Coleman. So, look, our thoughts and Aguetta's family and his friends and uh, everybody at Bohemians. Uh, may you rest in peace. Let's hear now from uh, Damien Duff speaking to the official Shelburne media channels after the one all draw with Bohemians last night. Damien, nothing short of a heroic performance tonight. Could you give us your thoughts? Uh, should have won the game. Sounds bizarre what we were down to 10 men for 60, 70 minutes. Um, Jay Ward deserved to get sent off, I have to say that. It was a correct decision. Um, we'll speak to him Monday. Um, started off really well. They score after five minutes. Again, a poor goal we give away. But as for creating chances all night, it was us. McCracken's obviously come in from Norwich. Um, great performance from him um, so absolutely amazing uh, shift from our guys well we got 32 points uh, on the board that's the best point we've earned 
and there was a scary moment there, Aaron Rodgers. So can you give us any update on how he's doing? Uh, I've no update as yet, so fingers crossed he's he's okay. Uh, and listen, there was obviously a double substitution. Um, Luke Byrne comes off with his hamstring. Um, so listen, we were up against it all night, giving them a goal start. Aaron off, Luke off, very early. Jay Orr off, down to ten men. And listen. I questioned them last week. I called them all sorts in, in private to their faces. Well, that's the real them tonight. And obviously in the second half, it really didn't look like shells were down to, to 10 men. You just spoke of it there. That, that was the answer I take you were absolutely looking for. Uh, yeah, listen, we were aggressive with our, our shape. We kept two strikers up because of half time. I told them the reason why we're doing is because we're we're going here to win the game. Uh, it's natural instinct maybe to go into a two banks of four and a strike or stay in a back five and you know a four or five three one. But uh, now we were looking to win the game, and uh, I think we should have. And last week you spoke about Matt, you know Matty Smith in the last game not getting an awful lot of service, but tonight he seemed to be everywhere and he really was all about the pitch. Didn't he? Yeah, listen, I think Joey called him a bull in training during the week. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. But you can see why he is. He's an absolute handful. Every back line in the country is scared of him. Along with Jack Moylan, you could argue. Along with Boydie. Uh, and when they're on it, they're as good as anyone in the league. And, you know, full-time whistle went and, and your reactions were were well seen wide and wide and far but uh, he seemed very very you know happy with the, the fans reaction and, and how the atmosphere was and uh, yeah, listen they just need to know I'm one of them something was said last week that really roiled me and uh, oh, don't worry I'm not a badge kisser <laughs> uh, I'm certainly not one of them but it's just been in my mind all week I dedicate my life to this club 24-7 you know probably don't speak to my wife enough don't play or with my kids enough um, but when the opposition manager last week talks about real Shelburne people maybe he's real because you know he played for the club he's a club legend okay well done how do I become real a uh, real Shelburne person um, I've dedicated me the last two two and a half years to the club dedicate my life to the academy working for free I'm in it for the love of the game through Covid on Zoom to young players, Gavin Hodgson's, etc. That's why they're here tonight, because they've started learning properly and young. And I've dedicated this year yeah. to the club. And that's why when he said last night or last week about real Shelburne people, I'm real. That's well, all I've to say, isn't it? You're definitely wearing the t-shirt to show. Well done, Dan. Uh, again, here. I'm only wearing this because my other t-shirt's absolutely soaking. <laughs> so, well, again, I'm no badge kisser. But <laughs> I'm a real Shelburne and, uh, man. So you can tell Kevin that from me. Good luck. <laughs> all the best, right. Damien. Thank you. Cheers. Box office, Damien Duff there last night. Yeah, so the context of that, if people are trying to follow it. So, Shelburne lost to Drada last week. Um, 3-1 Kevin Doherty's the manager of Drada I think afterwards there was probably a bit of upset Duff didn't shake hands at the full time whistle just went straight down the tunnel or whatever um, and Kevin Doherty gave an interview afterwards where he made reference to this and then in the context of that made a reference to, to real Shelburne people um, Kevin Doherty would be the former player and manager of Shells and would know a lot of people there behind the scenes now I, I've, I was speaking to someone who was there last week um, who said that Duff did come over and shake hands with Doherty after the match but it was after Doherty had given that interview um, okay. so like maybe things could have been avoided if, if sort of things had happened I mean I suppose Duff if he just shook hands at full time it probably would have been you know, there would have been no issue at all but um, he uh, he's 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 well in he's all in on it and he was very uh, 
passionate on the the pitch at, at full time afterwards uh, last night. By by all accounts, just sort of uh, giving it to the giving it to the fans, and and there's been several statements like that uh, this season. What have you made of him from afar, sleeves watching your old? teammate as a as a manager yeah. been interviewed after the game as a manager you probably remember him in a very different way yeah I just listen, listen to, it sounds like he needs to have a couple of hours playing with his kids doesn't it <laughs> do you know I but now it's yeah he's listen he, he's, I think he's obviously listen he's not playing the League of Ireland he's he's probably trying to he's, he's one of Ireland's best ever players right he's come back to the League of Ireland obviously had a brief spell playing and and maybe he feels people don't think he's serious about like kind of the football in Ireland, and I think it's a bit of like he's probably going a little bit over the top with. But I think he's trying to get the message across that which he said that he, he's 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 a shellbone manager now and he cares about the club, and he obviously does. But listen, I'm sure he's, he's done that interview straight after a game, hasn't he, as well, where his emotions are probably running high as the hour you're a player or a manager. So he's obviously got his point across, but yeah, he's. Listen, he's to- he's totally different to what I would expect him to be as a manager. Seeing him obviously being in and around the squadron and playing with him, I wouldn't have said he was this type of character. Do you know what I mean? That comes out and says says kind of stuff like this, where people be like, "Oh, did you hear what Duffer said last night?" Type of thing. But that's that's the kind of character he's become as a manager. And it's in good luck to him. He, he's obviously enjoying enjoying the role, but, but but sometimes again, maybe he'll come with experience being a manager. He probably. He probably look back yeah. at certain things he says and think maybe he could have handled that a little bit better, you know. So, yeah. but it's a learning curve as well. Like he, again, he's he's new to. Him. I know he's saying he's been involved with the club and the academy, and he's as he mentioned there about his voluntary roles during the COVID and stuff, which is great. Obviously, having somebody like him coming back to the League of Ireland, it's brilliant for the league. Like like you said there, like John mentioned there, it's box office. People want to speak about now, like we are now. But at the same time, I'm sure he, I'm sure he. On a day-to-day basis, well, on a day-to-day basis, the lads that are walking will probably see a different kind of Damien Duff, like on the on the training ground, and how he carry we carry himself, this carry yeah. himself around the club. But yeah, okay, yeah, it's good. It's good to see passion, though. Listen, don't, you want him to care about the club, but at the same time, I think sometimes some of the things he says, it's it's probably I'm sitting here thinking, he's Duffer, like just relax a little bit, type of thing. But <laughs> this could be a big good, goal. Good luck um... to him. This could yeah, be one all. Damari Gray, Everton one, Forest one. Um, it's just a, it's a long ball over the top, JD. Brennan Johnson, by the way, got the first one. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I've been watching this game, looking at the the odds, thinking this is crazy. Like how are Nottingham Forest such a big price? Um, but they went, they did go ahead. But this could be a big goal just for Everton. I mean, if they were to lose this, it was really, really cool finish by Gray and control under the circumstances, and um, just getting back to the Duffer Darty thing. Like I've just, kept... just to give you another couple of updates. Yeah. Southampton now lead last year two one. So it's not good for Leicester. Chad Adams with both goals. Uh, Fulham two, Brentford two, Palace three, Villa one. Yeah, the, the, like Kev Doherty must be the le- the least likely manager I would have ever suspected of getting into a spat with anyone, let alone Damien Duff. Like he's just such a a nice guy. And uh, I just to mention Kev uh, was obviously the uh, the would be villain of this kind of piece. Um, forget about uh, Tuchel and Conte. This not is, a real villain. This is no, not a real villain. Drawley United. I think Dan has a piece today with the chairman about like. You're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place as a club like Drogheda now because you either go full time or, in in theory, you get relegated because it's it's going to be hard. Say Cork City are going to get promoted now, um, big big club. It's very hard for Drogheda to sustain it the way they're going. But when Kev Doherty took the job, um, Tim Clancy had I think universally um, would have been universally acclaimed at the job he did. Drogheda have played 
28 games a season. They've only lost 11 of those games. 17 of those games, they've either won or drawn. They've beaten, um, they've taken points off Rovers, Dundalk, Derry. Um, again, last night, they've been very good. Like uh, last night, they got a, a point against Derry. They, they, got, they beat Shelburne the week before. It's been an amazing job he's done. And uh, he's a lot, uh, he's not the box office that Duff is, but Kev Doherty was a serious footballer earlier in his own career, badly hit by injuries as well. There's that team again. Uh, he's done an unbelievable job, but Duffer is just, he's just a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Remember that football and off the ball is brought to you by Sky. It's the big one. Don't miss Man United versus Liverpool on Monday Night Football live only on Sky Sports. Also want to let you know, folks, that American football is back. The Northwestern Wildcats will touch down on Irish soil next weekend to open up the 2022 football season against Big Ten foe, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, as part of the Erlingish College football season in Dublin. So both teams will be bringing the full American football experience to Ireland with pre-game tailgates, pep rallies, marching bands, cheerleaders and of course a halftime show. Don't miss out on this action-packed game day as these rivals go to head-to-head next Saturday the 27th of August at the Aviva Stadium Dublin with tickets still available the Erlingus College Football Series you were in Hungary this week Dan I was going to say speaking of game day experiences uh, Ferenc Varos on Thursday yeah was uh uh, yeah it's, it's sort of a, it's maybe a broader discussion we don't have a huge amount of time but the uh I mean, like we could do it again. Yeah, no, I, I think what struck me. I mean, French Vars won comfortably. They're going to go to the Europa League playoff. Shamrock Rovers, <laughs> I think, in a way, um, it was a big game for them and a great chance to sort of get to the group stage. Not a great chance, you know, an opportunity was there because they were in a playoff. But it's a different feeling around it when they have this group stage football in the back pocket already whatever happens there's a draw the big draw for the group stages is like next Friday and Shamrock Rovers are going to be part of it albeit more than likely in the Conference League it will be in the Conference League so they are part of it but what struck me was like how good Ferenc Varus were particularly in attacking areas and like you're looking at sort of you know players involved that really you haven't heard of before like they had this Moroccan guy uh, Ryan Mami slightly unusual uh, spelling of the surname um, who I spoke to one of the Shamrock Rovers players after and they were just talking about how he barely even broke a sweat at times but he was just at a high level and like we're watching you watch Premier League here and this is clearly elite level but sometimes you go around Europe and you realise that like how big this sport this industry is like there's massive interest in that game over there there's a you know hugely passionate fan base that had packed it out they do have a slightly authoritarian leader who is med football the centre of his strategy and built all these amazing stadiums there's a, there's a little bit of a, an undertone to the whole thing there but you just sometimes you just realise how vast like this sport is and this industry and like how good the best of the best to get to like the, the big leagues are because you sometimes go to a place like Farrance Farris even and you realise like this feels like another sporting world and yet they might only end up being a sort of a modest team in the Europa Amazing, League. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It like shows well Collins and Bazuna are doing. You know? it, it does. No, it does. It brings home that point and like how high, and then like, in fairness, like Jack Byrne come on for like 25, 30 minutes and even how comfortable he did look, he's not at his best at all. Right. But then there's a little bit of levels and you realise, yeah, like Shamrock Rovers are going to have six group games in the autumn and they, like they need to be absolutely at 100%. Right in every game to be able to compete whoever they're playing against because like we, we think we'll make progress in this country and, and and maybe we are to some degree but every other country is making progress too exactly. often at a quicker pace um, and they're not it's not taking them 20 years to build stadiums you know so um it's always an eye opener. I mean, I love these European games because you get that sense of what a big sport this is and how you know far it goes. But um, it does also illustrate as well the challenges that our clubs face to be competitive. Say what you like about dictatorships, JD, but 
things get done. Well, Saturday afternoons are good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll give you that. Four fifty-two, you've come out with a good one. Well, you know, it did take a while. Somebody well, gives this man a lift from the train station to Bale and Blas. So must be someone out there with a favourite striker who um, <laughs> can 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 bring uh, JD. It's funny, Morley um, or John Caulfield, one of these. Samuel Atu at Barcelona was absolutely world class. Also, JD, I'm from the Bale and Blas area. They've renovated the whole thing recently. It looks excellent and should be a great I day. Was, I was there about six weeks ago, and they were renovating it at the time. It was kind of weird. It was like this amazing site, and it was basically a building site but uh, God there'll be thousands and thousands I imagine but, but tomorrow is the official commemoration there'll be huge about 5,000 oh, okay, there tomorrow so you're a day later yeah, yeah. Oh, then you'll be grand yeah. yeah fair play to the Duffer difficult start with Shells but I think it's so fair to say he's grown into the game and the role uh, chaps about Duff a lot of noise but his heart's in the right place uh, Strikers your favourite one at the USSR match Terry Mancini a teammate of Givens played 20 minutes but he got sent off one and only cap uh, Steve Bull for Wolves he was my best player in my top trumps cards as Carlos uh, I was in Daily Match, th- Ireland 3, USSR Neil. Great to see Jaws and Brady play together. Great performance, great result and good football, says Aidan in Dublin. And top striker, there can only be one, Pascal Snackbox Keen, legendary Waterford United striker from the late 80s and 90s, banging him in from all angles of the six-yard box. Legendary Tash, Snack legendary Mullet. It's great, it's great, no, great nickname, isn't it, Snackbox? A true striker par excellence, says Laurie South in Kilkenny. So fair play to all your texts. Thanks so much to the audience this afternoon. Uh, the Premier League scores is finished. Crystal Palace 3, Aston Villa 1. Alexander Mitrovic has scored in the last minute. Fulham have beaten Brentford 3-2. He is flying it. Like, we were wondering, will he get goals in the Premier League? Mm. Everton won, Nottingham Forest won a result and has finished. Southampton 2, Leicester 1 at the King Power. Spurs beat Wolves 1-0 earlier on. In the Championship, Birmingham... Neil Wigan won a latest score. Latest scores, Burnley 3, Blackpool 3. They've come from behind. Latest scores, Preston 0, Watford 0. QPR 1, Rotherham 1. It has finished... Reading 1, Middlesbrough 0. It is finished. Sheffield United 3, Blackburn 0. Latest score, Stoke 0, Sunderland 1. Finished Swansea 0, Luton 2. Finished West Brom 5, Hull 2. In Scotland, it ended earlier. Hibs 2, Rangers 2. It's finished Dundee United 0, St Mirren 3. Motherwell 1, Livingston 0. Ross County 1, Kilmarnock 0. These are all results in St Johnston 0. Aberdeen 1 is a latest score. It is Bournemouth against Arsenal at half past five. In the Premier League, Arsenal going for... What is it, three wins in a row after their victories over Leicester and Crystal Palace? Just go through the teams there for Arsenal. Their lineups Ramsdale and goal, uh, White, Magalhães, Saliba and Zinchenko, Parti, Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli, Xhaka and Jesus. That looks like an unchanged team uh, with Mark Travers in goal for Bournemouth. Stephen Elias, thanks so much. Cheers, fellas. Dan, Johnny, thank you so much. Thank you, John. Cheers, JD. I, I note that um, you're actually going on his 100th anniversary, but the commemoration is the day before. So you're actually going on his... Yeah, okay, that's that, the plan. That makes sense. Look forward Best to John. luck there. Thanks, Johnny. i got to leave it there, folks. Don't forget, off the ball, back tomorrow from 1 to 7 here on News Talk. Joe Malloy in the chair. We've got two live and exclusive Premier League commentary games to bring you. Stephen Doyle and Brian Kerr bringing you the call and Leeds game against Chelsea. That kicks off at 2. Then Richie McCormack and Kenny Cunningham describing the half-four kickoff between Newcastle United and Manchester City. That is all on the FM. Before that, on the digital and social channels from half 11 we have the Sunday paper review Clean Foley and Conor McKeown so be sure to join us tomorrow for sort of great football commentaries and conversation as well on all sports if you missed any of the Saturday panel on the win for the Irish women's rugby team in Japan 55 57 rather 57-22 with Alison Miller Michelle Claffey and Jackie Shields or any of OTB Football Saturday with Stephen Eddie Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward you can find the podcasts of this content on the OTB Sports app or be sure to listen back folks wherever you get your pods thanks so much 
much for listening to us on your radio here on News Talk this afternoon. We'll speak soon. Bye bye. Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports.